Welcome to another episode of Reformation Roundtable. My name is Joe Stout, and the point of this podcast is pretty straightforward. We want to plant a distinctly biblical and unashamedly Christ-centered Reformed Church in Lewis County, Washington, specifically the Centralia Chehalis area. Now, Lewis County has many churches, but none that profess or practice the historic Reformed faith. We would like to see this change, and so we've been working. We've been plowing in faith that we would be working towards and accomplishing the Lord's will. So, for the better part of a year and a half, we've been meeting and seeking unity as families. So, our stated goal is 10 founding member households prior to launch. And our hope is to launch in March of 2021. So God is going to accomplish his will in his sovereign mercy as he chooses. But we're excited to see how we can be used by him in this way. So Reformation Roundtable meets on Thursday nights specifically for discussion um, this is a time where we actually sit around a round table and we discuss different theological topics. And we also meet on Sunday nights for fellowship. This is the time when all the families get together and there is a lot more interaction in terms of it's much more worship-like. So the kids come and, the, and oftentimes the wives come. So the following recording is a Thursday night discussion. It took place on February 25th, 2021. Uh, and during the discussion, we discussed biblical eldership, and we specifically were talking about the uh, the booklet that is based on the book, Biblical Eldership. Uh, and we worked through also, we also worked through a proposed liturgy um, for our fellowship nights. And in the, the fellowship nights and the liturgies that we were talking about, they're really practice uh, as we anticipate Lord's Day worship. Uh, and then at the end of the discussion, there is a shorter, it's, it's still fairly extended, but it's shorter, but very lively discussion on baptism and the Lord's Supper that you won't want to miss. Um, if you would like to join us, please, vi- we want you to join us. First of all, we want you to join us. But if you want to join us, visit lewiscounty.church, and you will find all of our previous discussions. There's also an events tab you can click on, and that'll show you what is coming up that you can be a part of. Uh, or you can also um, fill out the contact form if you have questions or comments, and that will actually uh, get contact me directly, and I will respond to your email personally and hopefully rapidly. Um, so anyways, that's enough for me. I hope you enjoy the discussion, and I hope you join us to plant a Reformed church in Lewis County, Washington. Ron, you want to open this up for prayer? Sure. Father, we're grateful we can gather in your name. We can bless you and We can be the kind of church that you want us to be, Lord, as we make plans and as we uh, throw around ideas about how to do that. Keep bringing us, Lord, back to your word so that all that we do reflects you and your glory and all that you have for us, Lord, all that you want from us. We want to be your people and do things your way, Lord. So Mm -hmm. we ask for your guidance in Jesus' name. Thanks for coming tonight, guys. Uh, I'm excited to talk about biblical eldership and uh, the liturgy of the upcoming church. Uh, I thought, though, before we got started, that we could uh, could jump in. If anybody has any bylaws, bylaws, stuff that they'd like to talk about that they came 
ready to talk about it. If not, it's no problem. I kind of threw it, at, threw it out there at the last minute. But um, we can kind of start off with that because that's, uh, we know it's going to be an ongoing discussion. So. Joe, I have a question. Sure. Um, is there something that is that is also in place that isn't in the bylaws as far as like the administration, the administrative aspect of things? Does that make question make sense? So I'm just curious about that. Like, how do you collect? Uh, yeah, yeah, that who, all how all that shakes out. Is there another document that uh, kind of addresses all that? I don't know. Um, the that's a, that's a great question. You know, like the, the nuts and bolts of running the church. Where, where do we mm -hmm. get that information? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I mean, I was asked, I was even asking uh, some, a different pastor earlier this week, like, hey, you know, I know there's a debate amongst churches whether or not they should be an actual corporation, if I'm going to see corporation, like actually recognize who the IRS or not. Mm -hmm. What are you guys? And, and so he kind of gave me a big, long, uh, helpful answer on that, but it was... Um, but yeah, we don't have that in our. In the, that, that's one aspect we don't have the bylaws kind of take. But the, but is the bylaws not the place to put that stuff? I, I, I'm just asking. It's a great question. Okay. I, I don't have a good answer to that. I think it's you can you can be as strict or as you know loose on the, on some of this regular church order stuff as you want to be. You know, yeah. it's like, do you have to have one secretary and one pastor and one helper? I mean, right. you could you could get as, as crazy as you want to get with that. Yeah. I, I have a no, feeling I that gets kind of down to the nuts and bolts of um, maybe how that's happening. I, mm -hmm. I guess, you know, normal order of service type stuff, perhaps that's that's still important, but I don't know if it's as important. I mean, but, we, yeah. and I don't know if the CRC is, is like, is very, I guess, set in who they have doing certain, certain things during during the service. Yeah. But you know, I, I just go from experience of other churches, and it wasn't always the same people collecting the offering. I mean, shoot, sometimes we had the kids collecting the offering if it was a special day honoring you know the youth group or yeah. this or that. And it's like they got to participate in the service. But but, but often there's, uh, you know, like in the military, they call it an SOP, a standard operating procedure, or a policy and procedure mm -hmm. that just says the, you know, the counting of the money every week has to involve two people or whatever. Yeah. They can't be whatever or this and that. Yeah. Just just some, some guidance in how to administrate just the operational yep. aspect of things apart from all the spiritual stuff. I just, I was just curious yeah. at all. I didn't know. I mean, yeah. The, the need for an SOP is absolutely there. I don't know if they chose not to put it in the bylaws because it's really up to churches however they want to do it. And it may not belong in the bylaws either. Huh? Maybe maybe it's not appropriate it's, to be in the bylaws. My, my, my suspicion would be that we have to have the bylaws to get the church started. Mm -hmm. um, and But you wouldn't have to. I mean, to become a missional church, you have to have a document that, that sets the groundwork. But I, but I, I wouldn't think that the... <clears throat> Like the order of service or the, you know, some of those things wouldn't be in the bylaws. That'd be something that, as the church gets going, you work them out because they, they would possibly change from, you know, from season to season or whatever. Some of those things are not necessarily permanently the same all the time, you know. So, but, but it would maybe possibly require writing up some other kind of a document. Um, Probably once you once you designate elders or deacons mm -hmm. or whatever, yeah. maybe that that crew right. does that uh, yeah. to to figure out the nuts and bolts and mechanics. Right. Okay. Right. I did notice that, um, like, 
in the middle or towards the end of whatever it was. What is this? Section B, whatever. It's on page 14, but it says that, you know, as a member of the Communion of Reformed Baptist Churches, uh, whatever your church name is, accepts all the constitutional requirements that come with this affiliation. The CREC cool. Constitution can be yeah. found at mm. blah, 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 and is deemed to be included in this document by uh, its reference. Oh, wow. That's good. That's kind of a big... So, well, I, was like, so I was like, oh, it's that fine print. Gets you every time. Because <laughs> we need to read the other... Con the, the, yeah. The main denomination constitution, because by rights of that, they're including it in the document. Right. Which I did not do that. But. I think we briefly looked at that when Dave first spoke with us. Yeah. I don't think it was two owners. I think it was. I, I don't even remember it being super long. Yeah. Do you remember that for me? It, it was basically talking about uh, different ways that you can structure the elders. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talks oh. about the two, three, four, yeah. or whatever. Uh, right. Some of that. Yeah. And that, and what's that called again? What do they call that? The uh, two office, three office. No, but what was the document? It's that the it was constitution. In? The constitution. Yeah, okay. the CREC constitution. I did. I think I did glance at it. Yeah. Um, it's governing documents. Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. That's great. Um, was there a link to it in that? Or was it just it just referenced it? It just referenced it here. Um, when you go to this the main CREC site, it's right it's there. Yeah, in the, okay. in the right in your face as far as documents go. But that was the only thing, honestly. So I spent most of my time. I left a little bit early last time, but I spent most of my time going through this yeah. and trying to check any scripture references on things yeah. that I thought might be. Oh, I'm not exactly sure what they mean by right. that, or you know, is that really does that really matter? Um, honestly, I don't. Some some of the disagreements that were brought up as far as wording, I think it was just the way things were worded. I don't really have a problem, really, with any legalities of what's what's put out by any of these bibles. Right. That's just me. Yeah. But I looked at. There was something like as far as the membership process and taking the vows. One thing that I that I saw on that was that it says that membership begins when the covenant membership vows have been taken and then it references Philemon 2 and Hebrews 13 and I'm like time there's no there's no reference to vows or anything in those <laughs> passages so mm -hmm. I'm just it didn't didn't quite correlate as far as the applicability to the, was membership. Romans 13 7 and 17 is that right no it's Hebrews 13 Hebrews that's what I meant to say Hebrews 13 7 yeah. 7 13 right that is just that's about um, honoring, the, you know, submitting to the elders. Yes. And so, I guess the, the vow would be that you would will do that. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to correlate the two and just thought, okay, right. uh, it, it, we're basically talking about it, um, administering ourselves or, uh, like you said, submitting yourselves right. to the authority. No. So, I guess that's that's what you're doing by vowing is you're submitting yourself to the authority of the church. Yeah, and I'm maybe what they were saying in, in referencing that was not, hey, this is a Bible verse on vows, but hey, this is a Bible verse on church membership, and this church membership is, is administered through a vow. All right. I, I don't know. It's, yeah. That's a good that's a good point. It just didn't seem to be true. There was another place where <laughs> the CREC was referenced as the Confederation of Reformed Evangelical mm, Churches absolutely. instead of the yeah. community. They yeah. changed it. So there was a typo there. On page 20. I it started that was... out as a confederation. They just decided they didn't like that word in the table. <laughs> I think a lot of other people decided they didn't like that word. Right. <laughs> oh, I wish I was. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, deacons shall be appointed by the elders. Uh, that was one of the things that, that I saw that was in the bylaws. And I don't know what I was going to ask the group what your experiences are. Um, I don't have a problem with this because the elders are the ones who really are basically running the church or the ultimate authority in, in the local church. But I've just never seen it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's just because I'm unfamiliar with true biblical eldership. Um, but it seems like uh, I'm wondering if people have any issues with the church body or the church members not having maybe more say in that. We, we at Christian Fellowship, we, um, our deacons are nominated, and whoever whoever's nominated is vetted, is processed by the elders and interviewed. And if they if they meet certain the criteria, the qualifications that you see in the Timothy First Timothy and Titus, um, then we we look and see are they members? You know, kind of some of the fundamental things, and then we bring them in and talk to them and just have a conversation with them about different various things. And then if if they kind of pass muster there, then they, they'll be forwarded on a ballot to the church, and the church would vote for them. Is it a binding, a binding vote? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, and they do the elders the same way, although the existing elders are the ones who are who determine who's going to be put on the ballot. So right. our, you know, our process needs to be good in that regard. So, so a deacon couldn't be on the ballot unless the elders. The elders need to, and nobody could be on the ballot, even an, even another elder, right. unless the elders yeah. uh, determine that they meet the qualifica- biblical qualifications, right. and also any qualification the church may have, i.e., being an, an actual having gone through the membership kind of process right. and committing to being a member of the church, sure. and then I think you you have to be a member. And for us, you need to be a member for a year before you can be considered. Okay. Yeah. I think Trinity is the same way. Some of this I don't remember. Some of it I'm just reading between the lines from emails because I'm still on the email list. But um, as far as I know, they, the elders will decide, hey, we need another uh, deacon. And the deacons come up after their period of time. Um, the elders will put them on, on the list of things to talk about at the heads of household meeting. And they vote at the heads of household meeting. So the heads of household would vote, right? Basically, or the well, I mean, whoever shows up, but it's the heads yeah. of household meetings what they call it. Yeah, and wives show up. Yeah, you know, to find out what's going on. So, in the in the vote is per household, right? Uh, One vote per household. Yeah, yeah. it's accounting. Usually, it's by acclamation. You know, <laughs> that's right. I, I remember so that kind of defeats the purpose of all the kids are having, isn't it? I don't remember. Um, I remember voting on elders and deacons, or elders, I think, maybe both. But I don't remember it being a binding vote. I think it was more of like, um, kind of like a, to ascertain the, the kind of the spirit of the congregation, so to speak. Like, hey, are we missing something here? Because if the vote comes back and, every, and there's like some serious, you know, no, no votes of, and whatnot, then we're going to read Yeah, it. he squeaks out. Yeah, 61%. <laughs> yeah, the hanging shed. Yeah. My, my only concern was, you know, if you only have two or three elders, or maybe if it's only three or four, and uh, I guess a small number of elders, and then all of a sudden the elders are doing everything and deciding everything, and it's right. like, uh, uh, does everyone, you know, ever, just, you seem to want to resist a little bit of that 
power by the mm. by the select few type thing. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Well, there, I, that's a. Doesn't he talk about that a little bit in here? Maybe. In Sorry, it's page eighteen. Yeah, it's fine. That was page eighteen. Talks about it a little bit. Let's see, the deacon stuff was on like twenty, page twenty or twenty-three or something. Towards the end. I, I thought I was just double checking to see because they were talking about the three ways in which someone could aspire to the office of elder. Right. They could aspire themselves. Yeah, they could inspire themselves, they could be nominated by someone else, or the current eldership could ask right. them to serve. Was it the same thing for deacons? It just uh, said deacons would be selected by the elders. Okay. So, well, candidates are picked the same way. Oh. But then the uh, appointment is done by the elders. Got it. Got it. Okay. So. Well, and it's what you're bringing up yeah, is a really good point. Um, it's the, it's a big part of the first section of this booklet that we're in, that we're going to talk about, or we, well, we are talking about, okay. and that is that uh, okay. you know the plurality of elders is is decentralized leadership, and that is that's ultimately what we want. And too often you see churches that are run by the rock star, and everybody follows them, and then. Maybe the rock star does well, or maybe the rock star has a <laughs> huge plunder, and everybody is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, looking to spread that out over not just like two elders or three elders. I know one of the things our church in Spokane always struggled to have enough elders, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and part of that was just disqualification on part of the, the men in the church. They just weren't qualified to. But some of it was the men just weren't, weren't willing to. There was plenty of qualified men who, mm -hmm. could, who, mm -hmm. would, who could, but they just wouldn't. Well, there's a glaring statement in this thing, the biblical eldership booklet. Men are spiritually lazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I highlighted that and circled it because that that, that, that kind of well, I mean, I, you know, I took it off. Yeah. Thought yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, I have a I have another question, Joe, yeah. um, or group. Um, I just wrote it right on the cover here. Where does the selection and installation of elders fit in in this process? That's being that we're undergoing now in establishing the mission church, and this this reading reading through this made me think: how does what's where does it fit where does it fit in chronologically and and um, what what we're up to right now? And because I see that you know everything is driven by the elders, lead, led by the elders. Decisions are made by the elders. So if we don't have elders here in local, who's doing? Who's deciding all this for us? And 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 be advised. I'm very well aware that anything I say has an asterisk next to it. Joe knows what I'm. We, we talked about that. But I, but I but that that really occurred to me. You know, are are, are you gonna or is the Centralia Mission Church? Going to be initially fully dictated to by the the mother church. Mm -hmm. um, that's, so that was well, my I think question. he said he wanted no. at least two from here, right? Well, that that's addressed in the constitution aspect for mission oh. churches. Oh, okay, okay. So, before a congregation can be accepted into CREC membership, it must have its own constitution, been existing for existence for at least two years, have at least two local elders who are members of the church, um, and have enough support for members to meet all regular expenses. So, just viable but that's going from missional church to a full church right yeah yeah, yeah. to um, joining as an official member yeah, yeah. going transferring from mission to oh, oh, non-mission church. Non church not to become a mission church 
Oh, okay. Right. So right. yeah. Okay. The, the, so it's the, the pro. It's the yeah. I think there will be pro tenant elders from Trinity, at least one. Okay. But he he even said you know um, uh, uh, Reformation Covenant has a, he says they got a lot of elders. He said maybe we can grab one of them too. So you know he can be one of the pro tem elders. One of them can be one of the pro tem elders. And then he said he really liked us to at least have one. But he says you don't have to if, if nobody is qualified for it. <clears throat> um, or if nobody wants to like step up and do it, um, but it wasn't like you. It wasn't that you only could have one. <laughs> it was like yeah. you could have more than one too. But the initial, the determiner of who might be our elders, I'll just say our for sake yeah. of ease, um, <laughs> is going to be Trinity is the one that are going to determine. Yes, that. Okay. Dave, I just want to—I just want to be clear. Yeah, on how, how yeah Dave and the, and the elders of Trinity are overseeing us, so they are the ones who are going to examine yeah. whether or not we have people who are qualified. Okay. And whether or not, the, you know, if the, if, if the Kirby wants to be a, an elder, sure. Then it's going to be you know we're going to have we'll we'll talk about it, but he's going to have to go and talk with Dave and in the, in the in the elders there. They'll inter, they'll kind of interview him. They'll of course want to know our our thoughts on it too. Yeah. But then that that'll be kind of. That'll be kind of how that's overseen, but in the timeline, he would like that to happen before we actually start. Yeah, that's so within the next weeks. So that, that that answers my question. Right. I mean, where does it? Where do we plug yeah. that in, yeah. so that there's you know somebody right. somebody perhaps at this table, right? Um, Charles maybe is you know the elder. You have any gray hair, Charles? You didn't see gray hair to be an elder. <laughs> You could diet. <laughs> well, that's what, what Kirby just read makes it sound like we don't even have to have a constitution. I mean, can you read what you just read again? <laughs> um, no, it says, before a congregation can be accepted in the CRC membership, it must have its own constitution. No, but that's what I mean. We don't, we don't need a constitution to become a missional church. It sounds like maybe in those two years while you're working up to become a full member that you even have some time to work out the... Is that, I got taking that correct or? bylaws and constitution the same thing? Oh, that, yeah, okay, that's, I, that's I, a good question, know. too. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I keep forgetting what this document is called. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading the uh, constitution. What is, what is it I'm reading? I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the Bill of Rights. The, the, the Bill of Rights, exactly. <laughs> the Bill of Righteousness. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Paperwork. Does anybody, does, is anybody sitting at this table now, like, thinking, yeah, I definitely... Would like to at least explore the option of being an elder. Hadn't like crossed my mind. <laughs> what? So it, it hadn't crossed my mind. I didn't even thought about it. It had had crossed my mind. Yeah. Um, but only wondering what we need to support our, our mission church, basically, mm -hmm. and whether or not there are more others more qualified than I mm -hmm. that would be maybe better to be first. That's yeah. my only thought on that. Yeah. It's crossed my mind, but it's still crossing. It's circling. <laughs> yeah, it's circling. Yeah, it's circling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, in, re in, reading, in reading the biblical eldership booklet, the one thing that scares me, scares me off is it basically just says, you know, hey, you need to be able to teach and preach as mm. an elder. <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm qualified to be preaching any I mean I I love I love the word and I love to study theology and some people were like, Hey, you know, you could do whatever but it's like, yeah I just don't 
I don't feel qualified enough to rightly handle the word in that, yeah. in that way, yeah. necessarily. Yeah, able, able to teach is definitely a qualification, but I've, but I've never, never quite understood if that means like gifted at teaching or if it just means like you understand it enough that you can explain it to someone else. Um, yeah, because didn't Dave talk about, he, he said some of his elders are teachers and some of them aren't, I mean, they don't, they don't preach on a regular right. basis. Is that true? Even at the Trinity? I mean, I, so I, I thought that was what I were referring to deacons. I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't know. They have three elders up there, do you remember? Uh, at least three elders. No, I, no, I think they've got they four. Five, four, I think. Four or five. Yeah. I can only think of three, and all uh, three of them have taught. Well, I remember he just said there was a new one, a fairly new one. That um, okay. So that might have been a fourth, but I thought that was the fifth. But I, I mean, right? That's my number. I don't know math four number. Four or five deacons. Yeah, I don't remember. You know, but all three of the ones I can think of off the top of my head, I was, they've taught. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, but also he's whatever. a two, uh, two office. So I'm guessing maybe that's where I heard it when he was talking about some of the other churches in the denomination that have a three office. Mm -hmm. So some of those elders would be teaching elders and some would, would be a minister, minister elders. Right. Yeah, so that in that case, if you're not a two office, then you wouldn't have to be a, that would be a, a different qualification, I guess. Right. I don't know. Do we feel like, um, or not feel, I mean, do we feel like biblical to, have we ever sat under someone's preaching who wasn't a gifted preacher? We've ever we've ever listened to a sermon from someone who wasn't gifted. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, um, and so and got something out of it. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just read the Bible. Don't come here again. I mean, definitely, there's a difference between someone who is gifted and someone who is just teaching. You know, right. but I think both are yeah valuable. I mean, can be valuable. You know? Well, I, I can't remember if I told you that. I can't remember who I shared this with, but when, when Dave was talking about pulpit supply when we first got started, you know, who's going to get up there and preach? I asked him, like, what kind of requirements do you have? He's like, well, they've got to be good. <laughs> it's like, my only requirement is really that they're good, because if they can't, if they can't preach, if they're not good at preaching, then they shouldn't be up there preaching. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but all that to say that, I, I mean, uh, our experience at CREC Church of Spokane was, was great, but um, we, did, we never had a lot of elders. And some of the elders that we had would occasionally preach. And it was not, let's just say it wasn't their primary calling in life. Um, but, it, but it was, but at the same time, I remember one of the guys who was, who was not a, a particularly dynamic preacher. Um, I remember working on a, working with him side by side on a church work day. And I mean, he was just teaching me the whole time. Yeah. You know, he wasn't a good, he wasn't a great preacher. But one-on-one, -on -one, you know, just... Mm facts of life type thing. He was really, I mean, he was very pastoral. Um, and, you know, Luke, I see that in you. I see, I see, I, I mean, I'm, I'll take your word for it when you say you don't feel confident in preaching or, or maybe like you see a, a gift. But I definitely see in you a, uh, a kind of a willingness to teach whoever's there, you know, whoever needs to be taught maybe more on a case-by-case, on case, one one-on-one group type basis. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's one thing I'm, I'm still kind of wrestling through in my own mind, that, that able to teach, what, is, what exactly are the implications of that? Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure I'm convinced it means like, you're really good at preaching, but, but it, might, it might mean that. I, 
I could be convinced. Yeah, I, I think I tend to more on the side of that um, we don't want an elder that can't read the word and decipher it and take something out of it and be able to apply it. I mean, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's in a polished, you know, uh, sermon, but it does mean that in a conversation or in a counseling session or in a talking with a member of the church that they can actually read the word and, and, and take what it means and apply it to this person's situation, you know. You're a teacher. You've worked one-on-one -on -one with some of your students, I'm sure. Right. Or with the whole group. And I think that's, uh, you mentioned it a moment ago, I think that's legitimate for an elder. Right. Because if you take four or five men, all five of them are highly unlikely to be preachers. Mm -hmm. They might be good teachers. All five of them, I doubt it. But you, a lot of people, like you mentioned about Luke, one-on-one -on -one across the table from somebody, they're super and effective. Mm -hmm. And so I, th I would argue that we should be careful how we define teaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Because I think that's as fully as needed in the church mm -hmm. as a good standing in the pulpit teacher. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I, I like what uh, it says here in the first part of the booklet. It says, um, the contemporary church board concept of eldership. So he's saying why that's He's basically just given a, uh, an overview as to why we shouldn't have church boards. The contemporary church board concept of eldership is irreconcilably at odds with the New Testament definition of eldership. According to the New Testament, elders lead the church, teach and preach the word, protect the church from false teachers, exhort and admonish the saints in sound doctrine, visit the sick and pray, and judge doctrinal issues. In biblical terminology, elders shepherd, oversee, lead, and care for the local church. That, there's a lot more there than just standing in the pulpit and preaching a sermon. Mm -hmm. Even though standing in the pulpit and preaching the sermon is the most highly visible aspect of it, there's a lot going on there. But I would also say that all that stuff involves being able to read the word yep. and pull something out, you know, yep. just in the shepherding of, or yep, protecting the flock from false teaching, right? You can't protect the flock from false teaching if you're not a good teacher. Yeah. And if, in other words, you don't know how to teach. You know, if you can't if you can't read the word and pull out truths from it and be able right. to explain that to someone else, then I mean that's that's prerequisite of being able to look at someone else's false teaching and say that's that's not right. Because right. yep. you because know? you, you can take that and apply it to the word and say okay yep. no that's not what this is saying. You know. So we, I think we just went through that in a massive way within the last 10 days or so at our hmm. church. Oh, really? It all worked out well. <laughs> Just so you know. Yeah. Where are you at, Les? With, this, with, the, with the potential on this mission church? I'm just wondering. Um, you talking about me personally? Where are you personally as far as uh, the potential of joining joining us in a mission, on the mission you church? You know, we're, we're just praying real hard. I... Um, just praying real hard. I mean, that's about all I can say now. I can't, um, you know, my wife's is, you know, we're equal in this, just like you all were all your spouses, you know. And, um, you know, I, I was watching my wife uh, in action, the last, particularly the last couple of weeks. I just had occasion to see her doing what she does. And she is so well-loved over there. Mm. And she is so integral to... Mm particularly what the women are doing and all that. 
And um, I actually had somebody today that you know very, you're close to, said, we don't care if you go last, we just don't want Kay to go. And they were being, I hope, tongue-in-cheek. But, but, but so I, I, you know, we're just praying and just um, asking God to let us be sensitive and discerning to where God wants us. Um, you know, I know we're on tape here, but, you know, my, my heart, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm at peace, but yet I'm a bit conflicted, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I got, I don't want to, um, I don't want to unduly and, um, uh, unreasonably and unbiblically influence my wife. Mm -hmm. Um, not, I don't want to issue her an ultimatum or anything right. like that. Right, right, for sure. Um, so not a great answer, Luke. And. So I'm, I'm trying well, to. We want it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Both I, of both uh, of you. <laughs> yeah, but well, yeah, that's right. I think we, 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 uh, we, we do want both of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've just, uh, for whatever it's worth, we've just really grown to just have such a deep love for everybody that's associated with this. And, um, you know, we're just um, kind of see how it plays out. <laughs> I mean, I. Yeah. Uh, I know we do invest in the sense of um, praying. We're praying our praying our hearts out mm -hmm. for all, all of you all, mm -hmm. by name at this table and beyond, who can't make mm -hmm. it every day. But um, yeah. you know, we want to we want to we want to invest our our, our yeah. resources in the church too. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I can appreciate your position. It's you know, a, it's a it's a bit it's a, it's been a challenge for me. And I've had to have some long conversations with the Lord about my tendency to maybe be somewhat resentful because mm -hmm. I just can't do what I want to do. You know <laughs> what I mean? No, I need to do what God wants me to do. Yeah. And right. and it's not. And I'm not one of those people that need to hear the clouds open up and the dove come down. You know, so not laying out fleeces at night. No, no. <laughs> you know, the axe handle still at the bottom of the lake, you know, or the axe handle is still at the bottom of the water. But anyway. Um, we're just, we're just going. Les, as, a, as an elder right now, um, you know, what, for those of us who are thinking about it in terms of like, yeah, I, I, I've got on my heart that this is something I need to mm -hmm. at least pursue and see where, where God takes us. Where, what, what kind of qualifications or advice or wisdom be, as a sitting elder right now? I think the... Um, one, I, I enjoyed this booklet. I thought it was, for me, it was, um, it caused me to have to rethink a few things in my, in my conduct as an elder. But um, the, one, the one thing I think is that is fundamental, because the qualifications are either there or they're not. Mm -hmm. you know, they're, you're either going to be qualified or you're not going to be qualified. Yeah. Yeah. Is if you, if, you, if you do it, if you feel a call to do it, it's, you got to do it. Mm -hmm. you, you can't play at it. And this guy makes this point in here. You've mm -hmm. got to, you've got to be committed to it. And you've got to love your flock. And you've got to, you've got to be willing to. Um, and and often, especially with you, with you, all you gentlemen at this table, with the exception of maybe Ron, and I, um, you know, you guys are engaged in raising your family, uh, jobs, and all of that. So he makes a big point in this booklet about. A lot of the, a large component of the, of the eldership is going to be sacrificial. Mm -hmm. Where you're gonna, you're gonna have to burn a candle a little deeper, mm -hmm. probably. And, I, right. and then you guys are, I know you guys are doing that already, kind of getting this, getting this thing and this glacier moving. 
So I would say commitment and uh, just dedication to it and and then mutual accountability. He talks about that. He talks about how Peter impetuous Peter was, but the other apostles kept him kind of kind of calmed down, you know, because his personality was so robust and all of that. And, and so there's that component as well. And, and um, I, I, uh, I'm an observer of people, and I've been watching all you all very keenly, believe it or not. And um, um, I see you guys just really, one, you love one another, and that's really fundamental. You love the Lord, of course, but you love one another. And I can see the compatibility and the common the common goal, which everybody's going to feed into. So I, I would say, if you feel a call to be an elder, you know, make 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 it known. Yeah. You know, certainly you talk to your wife about it, mm-hmm. and so they understand what the yeah. what it entails. And um, you know, I think you you be open minded about entertaining. If I come up to Spencer or, or that and say, you know, I, I think you'd be a great elder, mm-hmm. and I can literally say it about anybody at this table. Except for the young lady there, <laughs> but I would love to have her heart yeah, right. in my chest. But um, you know, just talk to Spencer and say, "Man, I, I know you," but Spencer's got to determine whether or not can he devote. Does he have the? Has he been allocated the time and kind of the energy that he needs to be able to do that? And he only only really he can answer that. Uh, it's between him and God, and then you know if the answer is this isn't a season I can do it, then it's not a season he can do it. So um, yeah, you don't want to force someone into eldership. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, at the same time, I would really caution against if if you don't feel like you're a preacher, don't let that inhibit you from pursuing this because it's more about it's more about tending the flock yeah. than it is to to be in the necessarily in the pulpit but you know um you 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 know spencer did a wonderful job last Mm -hmm. sunday a superb job luke did a great job recapping that thing you went through yeah and he had a you know flatulent baby (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i did (laughs) so but but you know i uh you know these gentlemen all you guys Mm -hmm. i mean could theoretically certainly be more than qualified and um anyway I think it's I think it's an issue of can you are you what are you willing to do, right? And 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 are you are you ready for the phone call? Are you ready to go visit somebody in the hospital? Are you ready to go do this and that and the other? Um, this thing kind of had me personally regroup yeah. as I'm looking at this myself and see, you know, where I where I was deficient. And we we had a teaching come into the church, and I was negligent, honestly, in my responsibility as an elder. I looked at it very superficially and I knew some people in the church that had been through it and I trusted them or whatever and it came in and it was just a disaster. Mm. So, you know, I had to, you know, I had to man up and just say, I, I, Lord, I, I sin. I've sinned in this regard. Mm. And, um, we serve a good and gracious king and, <laughs> and uh, you know things how many yeah, elders do you guys have we have we have three, have three and one of them is the pastor so mm-hmm. um, we kind of just naturally defer to him and because he's on the payroll he's the right. but I think I believe we're supposed to be it's supposed to be a plurality of elders so you know for me personally a lot of the things that I'm 
being exposed to with the, all you guys here and on Sunday nights, I'm, I'm taken back mm -hmm. with me over there too yeah. because it's appropriate and it's biblical and it's right. Yeah. So kind of a long-winded answer, mm -hmm. like I always tend to do. But, uh, yeah, don't get me in the pulpit here. <laughs> I, I actually have a sermon here for you, Joel, that I preach, and it's an hour and three minutes long. Yeah. I'm going to give it to you. It's a good period sermon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I used to. I used to fill the pulpit at my old church, and they, um, the pastor got to where he'd think, okay, whenever I was preaching, he adjusts things because it's going to go a little bit longer. I, <laughs> I, just couldn't pre I just couldn't say it in 20 minutes. I mean, yeah. like, how do you preach yeah. it? Speed up the song. Come on. I got it. You're, not, you're not a holy guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, one thing you said really struck, and this is one of the things that I've thought about. I mean, I think making the time to be an elder is just a matter of scheduling and getting stuff, you know. Yeah. And that's a pretty easy, like, I don't have time or I do. But I think the other issue that's a little bit more subtle is the energy. Yeah. So I think it takes a lot of energy and um, both spiritual and just physical energy to, I mean, um, because if you don't have the energy, you know, tending the flock is a full-time job mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, while you're also holding down a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And being a husband, I think it's a full-time job too, and a, you know, being a father, that's a full-time job. Yeah, so there's a lot of full-time jobs. <laughs> that's a lot of full-time jobs. So you gotta, you gotta really, yeah. I think that's where I'm really wrestling with mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. is this a time in my life where I can devote that kind of energy to? Um, because if you don't have the energy, then you're, you know, when someone's in a hospital, you'll say, oh, maybe Elder Joe will do that one. You know, like, you know, like. You don't want to be deferring your responsibility, or, or like you said, you know. Well, I think the pastor yeah. looked at it good. I don't have to worry about, you know. I mean, I think that's you want to be um, all in, yeah. and that's that's a. Well, and I think it would be a it would be a uh, disservice to the congregation as a whole if somebody got so um, engrossed in the eldership role that they shirked their duties as father or as husband, right, and sure. then. Yes. Children went by the wayside and yeah. were not being reared yeah. appropriately. No, that's true. You'll end up blowing one of the qualifications. Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. <laughs> no, honestly. Well, you know, that's why this the, this the, the, the miraculous brilliance of the qualifications. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah. if you can't guard your own family, you've got no business guarding family. You're doing that. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, yeah. everybody at this table can come up with an excuse. I'll call it an excuse, and I don't mean to offend anybody. But <laughs> we, we all can come up with an excuse to not do that. Mm. To not to not be an elder, and it's legitimate. It's a perfectly legitimate and reasonable reason. Maybe I should say reason. Excuse, erase that off the tape, Joe. <laughs> not everybody can come up with a reason and a valid one mm -hmm. that would would indicate that I I won't be able to fulfill my duties adequately or appropriately, and all of that. We can do it, but you know, um, just like I said. Everybody at this table, and then some of them who aren't here tonight, are could can do it. Mm -hmm. Can do it, and and not only can you, you may need to, because yeah. mm -hmm. you you can't have Bothell running your church down here. As far as things right. go, you need it to have some one or one or two, and they don't want. To. I, I know they don't. No, <laughs> I know you don't, Dave. But but no, you. If Lewis yeah. County, where you're yeah. going to own this thing, I mean, yeah. as far as. Yeah. Using that term or turn of phrase, I guess. So. On, on that topic, I definitely would aspire to the office as well. And so it's, that'll be, I mean, it's, 
Anybody, you guys all have Dave's email address, so anybody can go to Dave. You don't have to go through me. But if you want to go through me and you feel like, hey, I've been thinking about this, I think I want to at least be interviewed and I want to pursue this and, and see what see what the leadership up north thinks and that kind of thing. Either talk to Dave directly or, or talk to me, either one. Um, that's something that I, I've, got a, I've got a heart for. Um, I don't have a heart to become a pastor right now, but I do have a heart to, um, to see to do these things, you know, to, mm -hmm. to give to give myself away in that, in the way that we're supposed to do. Um, and, and quite honestly, um, he, he made a he made a good point. If 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 we followed the church board elder mentality, where it's just kind of like a, it's almost like a perfunctory honor type thing, uh, it's that'd be easy. You know, anybody can be on a church board, but but to actually actually roll up your sleeves and get involved with people's messy, needy lives. Yeah. Is it's a that's a big thing and and unless God's given you the heart for it, uh, not to say what not to go against what you're saying Les, but unless God has given you the heart for it, it's like it's I think it looks really hard. <laughs> so I, I say I wanna I aspire to the office knowing full well that it's uh, it's it's not for glory or for like fun you know because it looks fun or interesting or anything like that but because that's that's the desire of my heart. Have you told Dave that? Have you? Um, I have told Dave that yeah because he was asking about you know who's who's uh, who, who do you think would be an elder down there? Uh, he didn't really initially get into the deacon to the deacon discussion just initially elders and, and so um, yeah I mean he was. He 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 even you know he even said just like you know we need to we need to get on this you know we need mm -hmm. to be we need to start meeting with people he even just meeting with families who don't want to necessarily be elders but want to be founding members um, he needs to start meeting with us and so I think it it'll be helpful if I'm able to go to him in the next few days and say hey you know I'm sign me up for at least examining me you know seeing what you guys think um, and you know whoever else is, is on the list. So uh, I'd, I'd, I'd like it not to just be me. <laughs> so, so be thinking about it. Don't leave me alone, guys. <laughs> so would it, you think it'd be appropriate, um, Joe, to, and maybe you can think about this too, is saying that um, I'm open to be examined and discussed. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I think um, just understanding completely the role and um, I mean, I, Let's say, I want my heart to be there. Right. But as far as, you know, I, I think I had, so would it be appropriate for me to work this out in my mind and with my wife and with my family and then come to Dave? Or would it yeah. be say, Dave, I'm thinking about, you know, I mean, I would do the first. first. I would do the yeah, first. Okay. I, would, I would work through it with it yourself, at least to the point where if they say yes, you're not saying, oh, oh no. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I take it back. I recant. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way as far as, well, I'm feeling like I, I, need, I would need to explore it a little further mm. with my family, with yeah. my wife first and my family before right. ascribing to that. Mm -hmm. Just because we are in a bit of a yeah. unusual time in our, in our family life. Um, right. Just in how much has changed over the last, you know, six, eight months. Do need to consider that, especially when we're talking about energy and time and being yeah. able to make time right. for the church and shepherd the flock and do all that. So, in in interest of time, because I know Kirby's Kirby's got to go at eight. 
and we so we can come back to the to the elder the elder discussion. But if you guys don't mind shifting gears and just taking a look at this proposed liturgy, um, and I, I printed off ten copies, so um, maybe stout kids. And I also brought in this stack of so so this proposed liturgy is just a proposal. Hmm. It's all open for obviously discussion. I brought in some um, liturgies from uh, some different churches. <laughs> Can maybe share one of those, four, four of those. The, this first one is from a PCA church that, that meets down in Vancouver, uh, Westminster um, Presbyterian Church. Um, this one right here, with the with the with the large texts on it in the front. This one is from um, the Reformation Covenant Church and the CRC Church down in Oregon City. Um, you'll notice you'll notice that all of these are extensive. They're extensive uh, uh, liturgies, and so it's not not necessarily that we have to copy them. Obviously, not word for word or anything like that, but um, but just kind of give us some kind of will give us a little bit of a of a, of a guidepost for, for what uh, what ours should look like. Um, so I'll just real quick go through my proposed liturgy. So wait, this is this is an example of. Of the church's liturgy for one Sunday, or is for this one a document? Sunday. Yeah, okay. that's just for one Sunday. Yeah, all of these are just for one Sunday. So, so yeah, that's the CREC. This so this would be handed to you as you come into the yep. church. Yep, yeah. exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah, same thing. That little book there. Do we have a, some creators. In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna need to invest in a copy wow. machine. We're gonna fall. Yeah, <laughs> I know it. Hmm. Right. Uh, so my proposed liturgy is uh, first. Yours is one page. So that's, <laughs> that's right. My better one page. Uh, uh, Step out to the bathroom and come back. <laughs> what chapter are we in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're on page 111. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no one should have brought my readers today. Oh, man. <laughs> um, it's, uh, well, I guess if you don't have, this would make it so you don't have to post anything to maybe a viewable screen. Or right, right. Or, or I think in this one they didn't even use, um, they didn't need um, they don't need a hymnal. Hymnals, right. right. Hey, mine's written in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think, uh, just to kind of go, go down my, my list of proposed liturgy, yeah, uh, go through the announcements first before everything gets started. Um, just, and the, the reason for that is because announcements are lighthearted and Amen. Mm -hmm. So just get the announcements done. Get it out of the way. It's been one of my <laughs> biggest pet peeves at churches I've been to. Like your worship, and then you're all, and then in the middle of it, we stop and start having these. We, right. We, we, liter we literally. I'm like, wait, right. We literally just changed it last Sunday. Yeah. To, okay. to doing up front. Do you have one, Charles? No, I, I don't. But is this the announcements and thing for the last Sunday? This would be like any, you know, every church has announcements at the beginning. So you just you do your announcements at the very beginning. So people come together, this you give the announcements, and then you say, okay, now you have a scripture for meditation, and that meditation is to prepare your heart for worship, uh, and then you have an opening prayer. So this would be happening when the official church start time is, or this would be happening before? I, I think it would, if we started at 10, I would say this would start at 10. Yeah. Okay. Um, because you yeah. want everybody to be there. You don't right. want people to miss right. announcements, but you want to you want to have the, the kind of time of Lord's service. But you just make it clear when the service yeah. is starting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
yeah, come on in, guys. Find your seats, and we'll get started. That kind of thing. Um, and then one of the things that a, a lot of churches try to to train their their parishioners to do is like, hey, a few minutes before church starts, th that's not the time for chatting. Right. You know, come in ready to to worship, or get there 15, 20 minutes early if you want to visit. But start preparing your hearts for worship before before ten, you know, ten or nine, whenever the church starts. So, but then there's a scripture for meditation. Um, and uh, that, that is uh, prepares your heart for worship as an opening prayer. And then there's the apostolic greeting, um, and I think we need to do call and response uh, in, a, in a fairly uh, unashamed way. Um, so, you know, the minister would say something like, it wouldn't have to be this, but let us worship the triune God, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the congregation says, and also to you. That's right. And then, uh, so then we have the call to worship scripture. Um, and then that is followed by lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Now I know, at least I believe, that's done in Catholic churches. And so if you guys think like we're going to scare people away because we seem too Catholic, Roman Catholic that is, um, then, then I mean that's, you can, you can kind of give your, give your feedback on that. I, it doesn't bother me at all because I, I don't have any connection with the Roman Catholic Church. I have no, but some people do. Um, but lift up your hearts, lift them up to the Lord. And then after that, there's an exhortation and encouragement. And, and during this time, the congregation is sitting down. Um, and then after the exhortation, um, it, the exhortation reminds us of our need to confess our sins. So as you're able, please kneel as we confess our sins together. So then again, we've got a bodily posture part of the worship going on. Where we are speaking back, we are standing up, we are sitting down, and we are also kneeling. Um, and then um, after the corporate and in, uh, confession of sin, and I think, well, I didn't write this down, but I think one of the things that really works well is when you, after a time of corporate confession, you leave a big period yeah. of silent confession mm -hmm. yeah. where you mm -hmm. confess your own sins individually. Um, and then you rise for the assurance of pardon so that everybody stands up. Uh, and then you, the, the minister would have some type of verse that would um, assure them that their sins are forgiven. Then they would say, people of God, your sins are forgiven. And we'd all say, thanks be to God. Um, I didn't write this one in, but um, when we sing the doxology, I like having people raise their hands together. Uh, it's, it's pretty common in, in, in uh, contemporary Christian worship service for people to raise hands as they feel the Spirit leading them to. And I'm not, I'm not a hand raiser myself. Um, and so when we first started doing, like, everybody raise their hands together, it was a little awkward for me because I'd never raised my hands. <laughs> but but I, I think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, now, but now, seriously, yeah. now, now I'm like this. And in fact, at our church up in Olympia, we don't raise our hands together. All my kids are back there raising their hands. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, but I, think, I think raising our hands together makes a lot of sense because it's corporate worship. You know, raising your hands in a, in a worshipful sense is... Mm -hmm. Is, is fine to do it individually, but I think in a corporate worship setting, it makes even more sense to do that together. Now, I know some people think, well, it doesn't mean as much, and, 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 and uh, it's all it's all about, about you know, where are, where's your heart in this? Is it emotion that you're seeking, or is it um, you know corporate worship? Is it doing things together as one body? Um, so I, did, I didn't write the raise the hands together, but I think that's a really good thing. Uh, I think there's always a give and take between, I mean, I really, I really believe that you, I, I like involving your body with worship because mm -hmm. it's just too easy to sit there on your hand and go, praise yeah. the Lord, you know, yeah, but, absolutely. but something about standing up, raising your hands, mm -hmm. kneeling when you're, I mean, I think 
your body posture really helps to communicate yes. to your spirit. I mean, your spirit and body are connected and they go you know, back and forth. So I think it's really important. But then there's also this, the other side of the coin is that if we're always doing it, then it becomes a rote mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. this is what we do every time. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we really want to yeah. guard against is Absolutely. I'm standing up because everyone else is and I'm putting yeah. hands up. Everyone else is, you know, it's not yeah. a, mm-hmm. it's not, and even that is okay. I mean, it's just like when you, you know, when we were, we, we were reading the Bible to our kids before they understood what we were saying to them, yep. right. because there's power in the word. And there's also yeah. power mm-hmm. in raising your hands before God and saying, you know, I acknowledge that you're greater than I, and I'm yep. lifting my hands up, you know. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know, I just, I just wanted to throw that out yeah. there. That's the thing that's always been in my mind as far as, you know, we don't want to do things out of rote, because that's uh-huh. what we do then. Mm-hmm. But we also, we do want to involve our, our bodies and our voices and yeah. our, mm-hmm. you know. That, so. You know, it's funny you say that. I, I've set several um, psalms to music, like through Compose, where it's just you're setting it to New King James Version, you don't change anything, you just put it to music. And the kids, we all sing them together. And I'll find myself singing that, singing the very word of God mindlessly. Like, yeah, you know, right. I don't even think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like I'm, I like the tune or what, whatever it might be. But, but fighting against, it doesn't matter what you're doing, your body can turn it into something gross. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely something we have to, we have to guard against. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I agree with Pat on that a bunch. Just in um, the sense of not wanting to just make it repetition and heartless, mm-hmm. you know, with with no with no, um, you know, I just feel like some sometimes the spirit will, will literally just move in your heart to do things, mm-hmm. and and when the spirit is working in you and convicting you and doing all that, that that it's really amazing. Yeah. And when you do things that are just out of repetition, you know, uh, because someone, well, this is what we do together. I, I just see that becoming. Absolutely. Becoming, you know. You mean there's a temptation for that becoming? Yeah. Or do you just see it? it will. I just see there's a temptation. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Especially for. Especially and for and over time, yeah. it can happen. Yeah. You know, I, I used to always, you know, I was raised Catholic, and I used to always say, you know, I could, I could be playing chess or checkers. And be and be sitting there contemplating my move and be going, oh my God, I'm hardly sorry for having offended thee, and I detest all my sins because of that just punishment. But most of all, because they offended my God, we're all good and deserve for all my love uh-huh. from the result. Help thy grace, sin no more, avoid the occasion of sin, checkmate. You know, <laughs> and I'm being I'm He's being that good at chess. <laughs> but 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 no, the, the words yeah. are they're they're, they're there the by themselves. <laughs> they're there, but but there's no yeah. you know I'm not I'm not squeezing anything mm-hmm. into them. Right. The words are wonderful when you really listen to them, right. uh, but at the same time, they, they, there can be a rigidity and a roughness sure. to them that doesn't. And, uh, and yet, um, something being novel is not the answer to that. Simply having novelty won't won't fix that. Sure. Um, I, otherwise, novelty becomes the thing that becomes rote. Uh, sorry, Ron, you were going to say yeah. something. I didn't mean that. Uh, just an opinion that uh, I agree with all that's been said about uh, the potential of wrote actions but the answer to that or at least part of the answer to that is preparation mm-hmm. which if we're doing it right starts Saturday night mm-hmm. and we it's it's not going to fix it every week but it will most weeks I suspect mm-hmm. yeah that so, preparation is yeah, yeah. I, so that mm-hmm. and I think education as well yeah yeah I'm not used to. I mean, I've never kneeled in corporate confession. 
I don't know what that's going to feel like. It's going to feel awkward. <laughs> it's going to feel awkward, right. right? How do you make enough room? Uh, how you know? Do people have knee issues? I mean, yeah. That, just, so you just just the basics. You just attend a Presbyterian church. Our Presbyterian church had these little fold-out. Oh, yeah, knee the kneelers. Uh, I've well, seen that in Catholic. Catholic, Catholic right? too, too, yeah. Well, you know, it really gets confusing when you have a bunch of babies that you're trying to hold on to and kneel at the same time. <laughs> okay, all right. A little bit. Yeah. I, I think the important thing is not to be legalistic about it. I mean, if right. we're not going to look at someone like, kneel. why aren't you kneeling? What's your deal? You know? Right. Or what's, get your hands up. What's your problem? You know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's and I think inviting people to, you let's all raise our hands because we all want to together, yeah. you know, lift our hands up to the Lord. I mean, it, yeah. David talks about lifting your hands. You know, so I think right. that that education piece is, I just remember going to church with some Catholic friends when I was young. I went to their church and they'd come in and they'd bow before they get in the, then they go in and they sit down and they do the you know and I I remember asking them like why do you bow before you go into the pew and they look at me like because that's what we do I'm like wow that doesn't seem to work. that doesn't work for me I mean I want to know and and, and I, I have other Catholic friends that, it, that could explain to me why they right. did it you know and it yeah. was meaningful to them you know mm -hmm. so I think that's the important thing is that if we're doing something we are talking about from up front why we're doing it you know, and, yeah. and reminding people, and, mm -hmm. and especially uh, in the beginning, right? right. Especially mm -hmm. in the beginning, and I, I think you know, even just right along with educating people, you know, having um, having Dave come down and talk to us, I think, was a, a big help for mm -hmm. for our family, yeah. and and so I can see, yeah, some of these things maybe being awkward the first time, but that education piece and explaining mm -hmm. why we're doing it hey we're doing it for these reasons you mm -hmm. make it special you make it what it is right it's not right uh, you have to be willfully not trying to to get to make it some sort of repetitious exercise that right. has no meaning so well in 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 you know once again like you guys are saying education on why we're meeting and why we're doing this because like take communion for example i know we haven't quite got to that but I'll, you know, you take the modern evangelical view of communion, it's all about me thinking about the death of Jesus. And I just, like, navel gaze, and I think about it, and I thank the Lord for dying for me. But we're the body and bread, we're the bread of Christ. We're one loaf, and we're eating of that one loaf. And so I think your eyes, you know, if your eyes are open and you're looking around at the body, because you're eating with your people, that, that shows, like, hey, this is the body of Christ, and I'm partaking of the body of Christ because these are all, these brothers and sisters are, are, are the body of Christ and so we're all of the same loaf and, and you know there's, there's, there's so much there when if you all kneel together it's kind of hard for anybody to feel too mm -hmm. awkward if you're all raising your hands together, you might feel awkward in your mind, but nobody else is thinking about it. As opposed to the, plenty of time. What's that? I'm just allow plenty of time because I'm slow getting down. Someone help a couple of brothers back yeah. up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does say, as you are able. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's. I, the wrong that, starts I kneeling on is, Saturday night. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the thing is that we have to again. I, against the legalism mm -hmm. is, right. you know, um, this might not be the only time I kneel, you know, yes. there might be other times that I need to kneel, maybe even before I get in there, I'm already mm -hmm. kneeling because I, you know, but I, I think the the good thing about including some, some physical movement instruction from up front is it teaches 
people to do it that have never done it before. I mean, I think it is really good to, to incorporate kneeling into your prayer time. Yeah. That's that's a, I think that's an important yeah. thing. I mean, and it's it is good to incorporate raising your hands in worship. I, I there's there's some of those modern worship songs that talks about raise your hand. I mean, every time I sing it, I'm like, oh, I gotta. Go. I'm singing about raising my hands. I better get up in the air. What's the deal? No, we, we change it to raise your hearts. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what, one of the things uh, to kind of consider maybe is if every week it's uh, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. If every week that's the that's what's said, see it, Kirby. Um, maybe consider making each week something somewhat unique, because mm. we're gonna have the paper in front of us. So no, it this is this is this is just an example. No, I understand. Okay, but instead gotcha. of you know, for every week you say lift up your hearts, and we and we respond. Mm-hmm. There, I think there's, I think it's a beautiful thing when the, in unison people respond. Yeah, but maybe you just you just kind of I hate to say creative, but you 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 switch it up so that people come in and they're actually going, boy, what's going to be on this sheet today? Okay, you know what I'm saying? I totally know what you're saying. The only thing, the only pushback I would give you on that is that you know we're we're reformed men. That means that we're reformed people. That means we're intellectual. Like we want to think about things and we want to think about hard truths and we want to wrap our minds around theology. And we, and if it's not intellectually stimulating to us, then we think, well, I don't know. I mean, that's I've heard of that all before. We do that every week. But my kids, they know we lift them up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And Josephine is too, and she'll say we lift them up to the Lord. And if we want our children to be a part of what we're doing, mm-hmm. like sometimes I, I'm a little self-conscious when I pick out songs because I know these are a lot of the songs we've sang before. But Caleb was such an encouragement to me on Sunday night when we. We're going to sing Psalm 128, and I hear, oh, I love this song. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just, it was like, okay, good, that's right. You know, kids, kids love repetition. They mm-hmm. love repetition. And so I'm not, I'm not. No, I, and, and I'm just saying. offering an opinion, but, but maybe instead of just saying, lift up your hearts, you say, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Mm-hmm. Lift up your hearts to the Lord. Uh, you know, that's all I'm right. saying is yes. you just kind of, mm-hmm. just, just make it not, yeah. Not just verbatim every yeah. week. Okay, we're going to say this, and we're going to say this back to him. Yeah. What what scripture is Luke going to put in, the, in it this week, or whatever? You kind of wonder, and you see, right. wow, it's out of Romans. It's beautiful, man, mm-hmm. or whatever. So we're out First Corinthians. So the same response from the congregation, but a per, slightly different per, call, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I'm in, just in the go- call, call uh, God calls into His presence. The call to worship Scripture changes from week to week. Right. 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 And okay. so there's a different call to worship Scripture. And then you know you're moving to the next section okay. because the minister says, lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Okay. So, yeah, you're not just going through each. Uh, this is a, this is like a skeleton gotcha. of what it would look okay. like. You have to fill it out with a bunch. That's my ignorance. I, I no, no, no. That's, that's, that, what you're saying is exactly good. The exhortation and encouragement with the congregation sitting, that, that the exhortation is there to remind us of our need to confess, but also to, like, exhort us that we need to, whatever the exhortation is for the week, and there can be, be all kinds of different exhortations. Sure, okay. But that's, that's excellent uh, feedback there was. Um, under, the, under the God consecrates us or sanctifies us, um, uh, this, is, this would be where we would do a lot more of the um, call and response stuff with congregations. So we have responsive readings from Psalms, 
It could be from like, say, uh, I brought these in. We would use these in uh, CREC. Uh, this was uh, in Christchurch, just the Heidelberg Catechism. Mm -hmm. And so each, each there's a, we didn't do this, but we would, we did it for a year once because there's a different, there's one Lord's Day, you know, you have a different section for Lord's Day. Um, and, and so we do, you know, responsive reading from the Psalms, from the Catechisms, or we do the creeds, you know, like Apostles' Creed, Nicene yeah. Creed, something yeah. like that. Um, and it, it got long. There was a lot of standing in this part. And if you hold a baby, it's a little tiring. But then there was an Old Testament reading, and then there was a, a gospel reading or, or an epistle reading. Um, and I think it's absolutely critical for the people of God to hear the Word of God. Mm -hmm. the, the, the Bible does not say, read your Bible. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't say, um, today if you read his word and do not harden your hearts. It says, today if you hear his, his voice. Uh, it doesn't say mm -hmm. read his voice. It says, hear his voice. That, that, that I'm not saying we shouldn't read our Bibles. But I'm saying the people <laughs> of God need to hear the word being read to them. Because up until uh, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, people only heard the word. They never got to read it. So, so for... At least 1,700 years, 1,800 years, people were only hearing the Word of God. They were never reading it. Um, I, I, one guy was uh, preaching on that concept, and he was saying that if you visit monasteries, a lot of times you'll see written on the walls, no reading after 8 p.m. And the reason why was because nobody read in their minds. They read out loud. Mm. And so you'd have this, this, this group of monks all mm. reading out loud. So it's like, okay, 8 o'clock, you guys got to be done. We need some, some sleep. But, but the idea is that we need to be hearing God's word because that's what it was, it's meant to be heard. Amen. Um, then, then after the readings, we do a prayer of thanksgiving. The congregation would be sitting here in that in the prayer petition, just like we did last week. Um, I, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on tithing, tithes. Uh, I think that it's easy for churches to just, because they, they see the whole pass the hat thing as being kind of a little bit manipulative, and so they just stick the box in the back. And, and, I, and I used to really appreciate it when churches did that, and they just stuck the box in the back because it's like, okay, God, they're just trusting God to, 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 bring, to bring the necessary funds. But bringing our tithes and our offerings is part of worship. Yeah. And so we need something. And so uh, I'm not opposed to passing the plate, although what I really like is people putting them in before they come. And then um, one of the deacons taking it up to the front mm -hmm. of the church. That's, we would do that sometimes. We, start, we didn't always do that, but we started doing that um, uh, at Series Church in, in Spokane because then it was like a, we're all bringing our tithes together. It's not just you're passing the plate and everybody's putting it in individually. It's like everybody's already put it in there and now corporately we're bringing our tithes and offerings to God. That's a great idea. I, like that. I really like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm open, I'm open to, any, to, to, to different thoughts on that, but that's... I do think we need to have the tithing and the, the giving of our offerings incorporated into the worship. But what are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I, at our church, when the COVID hit, we put the box out in the fellowship hall. Sure. And actually, and it's amazing during that whole season that we, we've been fighting this COVID, our tithes and offerings went through the roof. Really? Mm -hmm. But we, we missed that time because we would have one, we would uh, identify guys to usher and then pass the basket or whatever and before that happened one of them would pray mm -hmm. so there yes. wasn't you know and that was real I thought it was special yeah and there, there is a collective there's a collective atmosphere that we're you know we're joining in, in this and mm -hmm. um, yeah. presenting this offering for the you know 
that God, we pray that God will just amplify it mm -hmm. and grow it and, yeah. and use it and all of that. I, I think it's valuable. That's my opinion. Right. We, we've been missing it, and I'm going to talk to Terry about yeah. reinstituting it this Sunday, actually, again. So. Reinstituting the passing? The passing like, of it, yeah. 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 We're, we haven't worn a mask in that church in five months, <laughs> six months. So. Uh oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Busted. Yeah. I'll scrub that part. That's the scrub Methodist it. church. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Methodist church doesn't have a soul inside the building. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <weird>. Ow! <laughs> um, yeah. I, I agree that I think that our, our tithes and offerings are a part of worship. Mm -hmm. And so it seems, in some way, it needs to be a part. I mean, I don't, I'm for passing the plate or... Yeah. Just bring it forward either way. Yeah, I think it's really yeah. good to have it as part of a, because you worship with your money and with your body and with Amen. your voice and with your Amen. time and with your, you know. Well, and I've seen some churches to um, sort of inhibit the coercion aspect of mm -hmm. passing a plate where you can actually see what somebody has placed in mm -hmm. there prior to you. They, you know, have a, a bag that has two handles. Yeah, you know, that's a little yeah, bit yeah, deeper. Yeah. And, I mean, whatever, but... Just saying, that is an option yeah. if, if yeah. people are more so preferred to that. People can't drop the coins from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not going to use a jackpot plate, yeah. you know, from left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tin plate. Right. I think um. there's. I'm thinking about Harrison Square right now. Yeah. yeah. Because COVID is an issue, but we have online giving and we have a lot of stuff, of course, mailed in now. If it weren't for COVID, most of the mail stuff would probably be brought in. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not that big a difference. Uh, the amount we get on mine is comparatively small. Uh, yeah, it may not be that big an issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, think I mean, I don't have an issue with that, giving them op giving people opportunity to, to give online either, or even mailing. It's just that I think that. Somehow the right the the it's, well you it's, think about how easy tithing is now I mean it's literally just give ten percent of your paycheck but it used to be like you'd have to figure out like you know your harvest and you have to figure right. out like, okay so it was like a, it was a big deal and I, I I was actually kind of convicted like a month ago like I'm I'm giving I'm I'm being obedient but am I really thinking of this as an act of worship right because I just do it whenever I get a paycheck. Right. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to do it whenever I get a paycheck. I'm going to do it every week. And I'm going to make sure that even if I didn't get paid that week, that I spread it out so that every week we can bring something. And then I give, we just actually started where I give it, I give the check to one of the kids. And it's their, you know, they, they put it in. And, and just basically like, this is our family's offering to God. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they get paid for farm work and then they get paid, they, they tithe on that as well. And, um, it's, I was also convicted at the, at the conference that we went to that when we tithe, or when we, especially when we give to charities, we need to be thinking about it as an investment. As somebody who's making an investment for it. Mm -hmm. they would, they would expect something. They wouldn't just say, "Well, do whatever you want with it." Whew, got it off my shoulders. It's like, no, this is this is real. <laughs> that, that's some green money, and I want I want to make sure that you guys are using it rightly, and and I want to give it in faith. So it's not like I have to. Mm -hmm. It's not like I have to control everything, but but I but I need to be invested in how it's being used, and, mm -hmm. and that's that's a huge part of tithing to the <coughs> local church. Mm -hmm. Are you you know they're feeding you? Are you giving back? Yeah, and even I mean I think your your prayers 
and time should follow your money, so to speak. So yeah. you know, if you're given to a missionary or something like that, that they're they should be a regular part of your yes. prayer because yep. you're in a sense covering that gift with your prayers and you know yeah. wanting it to yeah. mm-hmm. to see them be you know successful in the kingdom. Right. Yeah, good. Um, then I had I had a song hymn or spiritual song kind of at the end uh, or prior to the sermon, um, and uh, I missed this. Is that the first song you missed? Did no, I miss there's a, so let's see. There was uh, I may have um, it's I think I actually deleted it. It was supposed to be uh, it was supposed to be up at the beginning, up at the top. I I don't have all my songs quite sprinkled through there. But there's there'd, there'd be, be singing. There'd be singing in between yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but but then, so then there'd be the sermon. Um, and then after the sermon, which is, you know, we all know sermons amount to it. So we sit and we, you know, I, I, I love when uh, pastors speak to the congregation specifically. Like, okay, kids, I want you guys to listen to this because I'm going to preach you. I'm going to tell you guys something. Or, that's or, what Pastor T. T. was doing. Yeah, that's right. All right, kids, stop coming. <laughs> put your crayons down <laughs> if any of you are coloring put it down because I'm telling a sermon about you guys <laughs> oh, wow. that's great nice. right. um, and so for does he ever call individuals out like that yeah. <laughs> Joe yeah. right now you need to <laughs> yeah. everybody else can bench out Joe I'm talking to you <laughs> they're supposed to make you feel that way not actually yeah exactly. <laughs> Well, it happened to Wesley, and look what happened. To right, exactly. So for, so for a lot of us, I think the sermon sometimes is thought of as the high point of, of the church service. But in covenant renewal worship, it's actually, it's right before the high point. The high yeah. point being communion. So God feeding us. So after he calls us into his presence, and he cleanses us from sin, and he changes us into an image more like Jesus, then he feeds us. Um, and, and then I think that there's, it's always important to have an exhortation on the Lord's Supper. Why are we doing this? It can be two, three, four minutes long. But, like, we don't ever just go into the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper without talking about what, what are we doing here. You know, people, this is a mystical thing. Or it's a, it's, there's a lot of mystery in, mm-hmm. in the Lord's Supper. And so we're not expected to understand it, like, totally comprehend everything about it. But we, we're supposed to understand, like, we're, we're coming to do something here. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And, so the, and the Lord said, do this. Yeah, say we were told to do it. Do this in remembrance of mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And, you know, it's all... And God is providing that for yes. us. It's not like yeah. we're baking the bread and all that. That's right. not the indication. Here. Right. Um, I think it's really important that we pray for the bread, we distribute the bread, we sing a song, and we eat together the bread. And then we do that same thing for the wine. And the reason why I think that's important is because that's how Jesus, that's specifically how Jesus did it. Um, did Jesus sing before he um, I think, well, it says that they sang a hymn together. Um, I think it was maybe afterwards. Um, the only reason why I put congregation sings is because it's it's nice while the bread is being passed out. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're singing a song during that mm-hmm. time, beautiful. Um, I've been in churches where they don't sing; they, it's just kind of silent during, mm-hmm. and that's fine too. I I, I would yeah. prefer to sing. Sometimes I'm wondered or tempted to think: that Do we sing just because we're uncomfortable with silence? Right. I, I think it'd be good to be comfortable with silence Reflected. sometimes. You know. I mean, I, I'm not saying that. Right. That's just a thought. Why are all your hymnals you, purple? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of my thoughts. You wouldn't believe how many of those things are. Still wild. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm open to I'm open to any thoughts on that. They, I, I think 
when, when you think about food and fellowship, I don't generally think of eating in silence. Mm -hmm. um, but but that's, just, that's just me thinking through that. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I think silence is very important. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm open to that and, for sure. And, and there, you know, there, for me, it's always, there's always, I've tried to always have a, a, an element of reverence about mm -hmm. communion. Yeah. Just because of the, oh, yeah. because mm -hmm. of how evocative it is uh -huh. and, and all of that. So, um, and Lisa will check Zephaniah 3, verse 17. It says, the Lord sings or exalts mm -hmm. over us. It's just a wonderful thing to think about. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I anyway. think where when you pass the bread you say this is his this is his body broken for you. I mean mm -hmm. so there's it doesn't have to be complete silence. I mean I, I think right. that you can have because I mean again the the uh, one place where in scripture where it really warns us about you know doing it in an unworthy manner, it talks about unity. It talks mm -hmm. about being unified. Right. And it talks about knowing what you're doing. You know, doing it with a purpose. And so uh -huh. I think those are the two things that we really need to emphasize, that we are doing it together, and there's yep. a unity there that we're either singing together yep. or we're saying, you know, that there is a reminding to each other what we're doing as we, even yep. as we pass it, you know. Mm -hmm. This yep. is his blood poured out for your sins, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that kind of thing I think is really good. I mean, we at, at um, Olympia Christian Reform, that's what the, when we come up, uh -huh. we did up front, the, the elders would, would, just remind you before right. you take it. You know, they say this yep. is his body broken for you. Right. You know, for every individual is a yeah. Well, usually you do it as families. A family gather around. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I'm used to having at least one or one exhortation. Like if there's some sort of a break between, okay, you know, there's there's the prayer for the bread. You distribute it. You get it. And then right before everyone takes, there's like at least some sort of an exhortation. By yeah. Yeah. The pastor or the generally. That comes out of First Corinthians, yeah. Uh, that's right. 11. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it says, uh, maybe forgiven to the sinner me." Yeah, you were just saying it's coming tonight. Yeah, right. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to him, that the Lord Jesus on the night he betrayed took bread and broke it and gave thanks. Right. Um, and then we eat together. And then the same thing. He also took the wine and. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm feeling rather emotional just listening to all yeah. this because it's, you know. Communion has become somewhat, we've become a little cavalier about it, and it's become like almost an afterthought. Mm. And, that, and to have this be such a focus amongst each other, mm. with, and we know the Lord is there. Mm. I mean, you know, it's Amen. just a beautiful, I, I, you know, I definitely don't do anything that would detract from that. I know yeah. you guys won't, but I'm just right. saying this is, this I think of that, is wonderful. Now. Is it in John where Jesus lays out that? His body is the bread, and a bunch of people left. Yeah, remember yeah. that part? And he yeah. said, "John he said, six, oh, this I is think. tough teaching. We can't handle this. We're out of here." The, the one where he says, "If you don't eat my flesh, unless you yeah, eat my yeah, flesh yeah. and drink my yeah. blood, you have no part of me." Yeah, they're like, and then what? he turns they're to his disciples, and this is one of my favorite out. spots. In the <laughs> and he turns to his disciples, "Are you going to leave too?" And they're like, "Where else would we go? You got the words of life." And I just, ah, way to go, guys! But I just think again that really emphasizes that. You know, Jesus turned a bunch of people away yeah. by making that clear. Like, yeah. this is my body. This yeah. is my blood. Mm -hmm. right. And if you don't eat it, if you don't drink it, then yeah. you don't have no part with me. Right. And yeah. So it, I've always thought that that's, yeah. you know, I've been in so many churches where you have to figure out, oh, is this communion Sunday? Wait, let's see, one, two, you know, trying to figure right. it out because yeah. they don't do it every Sunday. Just like, right. Or, and I've been in churches where they do it like three times a year even, you know. 
that so it's just it's mm. I think it, it is really important that it's such a it, <coughs> the, the, the thing about that that's so bizarre to me is that they they do it less often to make it more special right but it seems like I mean what if you were to have church what if you were only singing church every Quarter because, like, oh, we don't want singing. We're getting to use the singing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's become benign. We're not even really in, you know, yeah. or sermon. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Oh, it's sermon Sunday. All right, I'll go. <laughs> or I won't go. Yeah, I yeah. won't go. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I got a mole. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so prayer for the bread, prayer for the wine. Elders distribute uh, at least in some way, mm-hmm. so that it's that the, it's the, the elders who are. Who we're seeing who's who's partaking. Um, we sing together, we or we we're silent together, but we eat together, we drink together. The bottom line is we do it together. Yeah. Um, well, I think it probably um, in the because we live in the world that we live in, we probably uh, this is totally like nitty gritty, um, but uh, I think it's good if you can have everybody having the same thing. Um, and so some people have convictions on wine, some people have convictions not to do wine. So I'm good with having both wine and grape juice. But I think if we're going to do bread, we should probably make it gluten-free bread just because, I mean, my, our youngest son doesn't eat gluten, but I would never hold back the Lord's Supper from him just because there was gluten in it. Right. But there are some people who would. They would not take mm-hmm. the, the Lord's Supper because it was had gluten. So in, in the interest of having everybody partaking, you know, and not like holding themselves back because they think it's going to affect them. Then I think that having mm-hmm. having one one you know, being able to pull from one loaf is, is really really good. But that's that's one thought. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, would everybody be comfortable with bread or excuse me with wine and grape juice on that particular topic? In, in some, some churches, Catholic churches, the um, Pope and the monks and think would force the people to have communion at least once a year because the people didn't want to take it because they were afraid it would lay a curse on them if they weren't good enough to oh, take yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, they're uh, <laughs> they got a whole lot of stuff right <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell again, you sometime. Going back to that verse of it, it talked about um, in the Lord's Supper. It talks about people feasting and other people not having any food, and I think. I've never thought about that. I remember the first time I was at a church and said, we got a, gluten off, a gluten-free option. I'm like, oh, come on. But I, <laughs> I mean, I think that's a really good point, Joe, that if we, if we want this to be done in unison, or to together in mm-hmm. unity, that we offer one loaf that is not going to single someone out. You know? Especially, and I think something like gluten, there is, there is a lot of people mm-hmm. in this day and age that really just can't have gluten. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that don't eat it for other reasons, but I think there is a... Uh, uh, quite a few people that it's yeah. just not a and, and the wine to too I think uh, my my recommendation would be to offer both sure you know like you and you and I talked I Absolutely. mean it's no secret that I don't drink and I, I can't drink but in the context having that thimble full you know to be part and be joined and all that it was the context was wonderful fine and I didn't have a problem but there are people who will yeah. Yeah. Because it's because you know maybe they're maybe they're fresh or whatever mm-hmm. into their recovery or, or whatever. Sure. Uh, I, I poured Kay a bit of a bit of a little bolus on that Sunday up north, and uh, it wasn't the best wine. Man. I mean, she she she, uh, she started turning white and green, and I was like, uh oh, <laughs> you know. She goes, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I went. Uh, I, yeah, I don't drink. Kind of I don't drink alcohol at all. I don't. <laughs> either and um, 
I went to a service that they served wine. I didn't know it. And there's one where you come up front and you kneel and they give you a cup and it just burned. I, I didn't even think that it was wine. I thought, Holy Spirit, what's going on? It's like, like a spiritual experience. Like, whoa. And I was like, oh, no, I think I just drank alcohol. That's what that was. Uh, that was booze. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised they didn't turn you to wine yeah. from, from that day forward. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Dad's running down I think we would have to be at the point, though, where we were, everybody was okay with wine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So that wine could be present there without people feeling like, oh, you know, this is. This is. So I guess it depends on how you do it, too, because. Um, I mean, I guess you could. It just gets awkward when you're when you're offering too many choices. Like here's right. the here's the gluten-free bowl. Here's the right. non-gluten-free bowl. Here's the wine dish. Here's the non-wine dish. Here's the you know, and so figuring out how to do that in a way that still feels everyone's coming to the same table. Right. Without, the way they do it at the holy um, the BPC church up in Olympia is um, wines in the center ring. Grape juice is on the outer ring. Oh. So they pass the plate. So it's the same take, plate. It's the same plate. Yeah, and you, can just, you can self-regulate yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I like that idea. That's yeah, a good idea. That's I a real good idea. And then as far as the bread, uh, there's people who can't eat gluten, but right. virtually everybody can eat non-gluten. Right, right. yeah, exactly. exactly. So they just yeah, have non-gluten. Not yeah. In fact, somebody in the church makes it. So. Dean, did you have something to say? Well, and would it be un- all unleavened bread? Uh, you know, actually, the, there's, a, there's a whole debate on that. Right? <laughs> um, there are people are... I, a lot of people are convicted that it needs to be leavened bread because the because the gospel is the leaven that leavens the whole loaf. Um, and unleavened bread was the old covenant that was Passover. This isn't Passover. This is a piecemeal. This, 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 this is the, the new replacement of Passover kind of. I know there was discussion, and some people, you know, but I, I don't know the argument. You know. Yeah, uh, uh, Calvary Chapel only does unleavened, mm-hmm. and that's and Ben's conviction is that it should be unleavened. Yeah. Um, most people that I've heard in the CRDC would be convicted the opposite way, that it should be leavened, not unleavened. So it's, once again, I don't think that's necessarily the thing that has to be, we have to get caught up on. If it's unleavened or leavened, it... Um, well, the Lord, they, at, the, at the Last Supper, they used leavened bread, right? Or unleavened unle- bread. Yeah, right. they, they did, right. And they unleavened. stated it as unleavened. Was that was a purpose that they said that? Or was it was such a, a thing as well, yeah, it was a Passover meal. Yeah, it was a Passover yeah. meal. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. that's a good question. The important right. thing is to give some instruction about why right. wine or why not wine, mm-hmm. or why leaven and right. not leaven. Right. Right. Yes. Um, gold mine of information. Uh, there really is. That's true. My thinking is wine is is it bites when you go woo, like you were saying, <laughs> rather than hmm, that's pretty good. Right. And it represents the death of Christ, and that he was resurrected, but it still stung. Mm. It still hurt. Mm. It didn't go. Mm, mm, I like it. Okay. <laughs> right. It was uh, symbolic. Uh, and the pain, that way. death, stings. You know. It's it's definitely potent. Grape juice is not potent. Yeah. Wine is potent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but going back to what we've kind of been, what's kind of been surrounding this discussion. The point of the Lord's Supper is God is feeding us in unity. And so whatever we decide, whatever our conviction is, leavened or unleavened, um, I think we just need to make sure that that's something that we're really pursuing is not necessarily, oh, you know, mm-hmm. theological, like, it's got to be this ultimatum type thing. But just like we are doing this together. 
and we're yeah. we're doing this, like you were saying, Ted, not a gluten-free option and a regular option, and a, you know we don't need to have all of these different options. I think that because we're 21st century Americans, the the whole alcohol thing is, is a big deal. You know, we we, we still haven't even. We still haven't even gotten three generations, four generations out from prohibition, and so we're still feeling the, the effects of that that madness of the, of the early 20th century. Um, and in, in the in the hundred years prior to that, leading up to to the insanity that was prohibition, there was a lot of corporate sin in America on the part of alcohol, and so the reaction of prohibition was obviously wicked. But what what triggered it was just absolute drunkenness. And so it was a it was a it was a sinful response mm -hmm. to, to try to ban something that God shows as a gift, but uh, but at the same time we're still dealing with that right now. So maybe in a few generations this whole wine grape juice thing won't even be a really a, a thing that our great grand great great grandchildren have to even debate. But for right now we do need to. Um, and so as far as the leaven unleavened go, I I would look I would want to look more into that. But uh, I've always we've always done leavened. Um, but I think the gluten-free would be good, just just so that people feel included in it. And then we can slip in gluten every now and then so anyone notices. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> ah, you've all been duped. Uh, he's, he's being slain in the spirit. Oh no, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. He has. He has. That's the gluten. We want to see that feet rolling in phylaxis. Somebody take a handful. <laughs> I think there was gluten right. in the bread. Like your dad wanted to be nice. And I just want to see what happens to you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Spencer? Epi.3.5? <laughs> right. I'm just carrying EpiPen around. Yeah. So we push. Then we, then we finish with God sending us out into the world, and then there's a commission, and that's, that is going to change from week to week, what the, what the commission is. Uh, last, when we, when we had our fellowship night, it was Hebrews 13. Yeah, Hebrews 13. But there's all kinds of different commissions you can have. Um, and then, but a lot of times it's like it could be the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord God's face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, something like that. Uh, and then the glory of is one that is unpreferential to, to finish, but it's, it's not one that's necessarily well known by, by a lot of people. Um, We've sang it, I think we've sang it in one of the nights of maybe our house, but uh, the Gloria Patri is, is, is very similar to the doxology. It's obviously different, but it's glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, and glory be to the Father, and to I love having that one as our, as our end. And the reason why it's not the doxology is because I think seeing the doxology prior to her preceding God, or preceding the minister saying, people of God, your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. I mean, what a perfect time for the doxology mm -hmm. than when we've been declared righteous before yeah. Christ. Uh, I mean, that's, we, we gotta sing something there. Yeah. You see Liesl's notes? You're kidding. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've only written nine words. <laughs> So the M. I drew a stick, man. Would the M always be the person that's giving the sermon, or would there possibly be other people filling in? At yeah, great spots? question. Yeah, it would. It a, would not always be the person yeah. giving the sermon. Um, and it, would it always be an elder, or could I, it be think, someone else? Yeah, I mean, I think that probably. Uh, I, I think like the assurance of pardon. Um, you know, I think that needs to be an elder leading that, those parts. Um, that would be my uh, my initial 
reaction to that. I've only seen that done where elders are doing that. Um, but, you know, that would be worth looking into. The responsive reading, the Old Testament reading, the gospel reading, the prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of petition, all of those can be anybody. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be deacons, it doesn't have to be elders, it doesn't have to, it can be just any, any, of, the, any of the men in the congregation. So. Lisa, could you read back the? Um, no, no. <laughs> She's like our court reporter. Yeah, at uh, eight twenty-three, I think yeah. Les said. Um, <laughs> Les bloviated for quite a long time. We'll have her read back the minutes next time. <laughs> oh, uh, and there's another one here. Um, so if you look on, I can pass this around. Just kind of going back to what we were just talking about. There's uh, in this one they have a. They have a preparation for communion, and in this one they do um, Snake like a Nicene Creed, I think. Oh, no, the Athanasian Creed. This, we, we, went, we were a part of this one. This one, Athanasian Creed takes forever. It's good. But this, they did that one right before the communion. Um, the Bible Press Church has a little insert as to whether or not you should be taking communion or not. Um, and, and so usually uh, that would be the time when the, the elder would, would give out, like, a, who should be... Who should be at the? Who should be coming to the Lord's table? Um, that this kind of goes to some of our discussions. Is it a closed table or is it an open yeah. table? It's, it's it's very much an, uh, uh, an open table. The the Lord's table does not belong to any local body specifically. So no local body specifically has the right to fence the table unless someone has is is not supposed to be there to begin with. If they would be fenced at any other table or at any other uh, church, then they then we have the the, the requirement to do that. Um, and so, of course, the, the one that's easy to understand is, is the discipline. If you've come under discipline yeah. and you've been excommunicated, um, then you can't take communion. And so that would be one thing. In this particular case, um, they have Bible presses. Uh, they have like four different things. Um, one is you've been baptized. That's one of their Presbyterian oh, okay. church. That's one of their things. Um, you've repented of your sin in the presence of Jesus Christ. That you're not living secretly and unrepentantly in sin, uh, and you've not been excommunicated. Um, those are the, those are their four reasons for CRAC. It's have you been baptized and are you not under discipline of your local church? Um, and uh, and so that would be that would be a part of the talking about communion. So like this is this is what it is. This is who should come, and um, and it, one of the things that on the whole baptism thing is is they were very open, you know, very clear. Like if you haven't been baptized, let's get you baptized. This doesn't have to be something. This doesn't have to be super complicated. We don't have to you know put it off until the weather's nicer. We can get you baptized soon so that you don't have to. But just let's get baptized before you come to the Lord's table. Um, the idea, of course, being there, and we kind of we got a chance to talk a little bit about this last week. But the idea being there that um, you baptism or uh, excuse me, the Lord's Supper is for those for the people of God, um, and the people of God, those who love Jesus, have been baptized, or at least they're, Not they're all. Def- What's that? Not all of them. Well, no, you're right, but but in but in the kind of the natural order of things, most people come to faith, and then they, go, then they get baptized relatively in a, in a, in a succinct... Deep Pentecostal. What's that? Deep Pentecostal. 
Are you going to be dog? That's a you know I mean? set in stone well, type of deal. Or? Is that a requirement for the denomination? It's well. That's I mean, what I'm asking. Yeah, about. it's. I think if if there was an issue with it, people the, they'd want to know why. If if because the where it would be a requirement is if you think that non-Christians should take the Lord's Supper, that'd be a problem. Um, if you feel like um, somebody is a Christian, they're a professing Christian, they just haven't yet gotten baptized. I think they would probably say, well, you don't have to excommunicate them, you know, keep, keep them coming to the Lord's table, but let's get them baptized as soon as possible, because that needs to happen. Um, and, and so it's, I don't think it's, I think it's, if they're professing Christians, then it's not nearly the issue as if they're not professing Christians, mm -hmm. and you think that they should come to the table. What, did you have a thought on no, that? No, no, I was just, my, my question maybe is a dumb one, but, uh, so, will all, will all, Everybody in the at the mission church will they be baptized or just have to at least demonstrate or state that I have been baptized? You know, you know, what I'm asking. Yeah. And how how are right. you guys going to proceed with that? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm just curious. Yeah, that's a good question. I know when when we when I first met Dave and um, I didn't I didn't really know him outside of a few emails. I was talking about that about Lord's Supper. He's like, oh yeah, kids are welcome. Have they have they all been baptized? And I and I think one of them hadn't been yet. He's like, okay, well. Just I would just ask you not to bring her to the Lord's table. She's a little baby, so it wasn't a, wasn't like a wasn't like a teenager who was being told that you're excluded now. Um, <clears throat> but in that particular case, they say it every Sunday because because you know that uh, excuse me, the Lord's Supper is something that people need guidance on, and so you have to have a conviction on it. Um, and, and so I think the, the question, of course, would be if someone's a professing Christian. And they they feel they should be at the Lord's Supper, then then why haven't they been baptized? And can we can, is there is there a way we can get that fixed so that it's not an issue anymore? Okay. Just because baptism being the the the, the way it, baptism is like the um, uh, it's like the, the, the wedding ceremony. The, the wedding ceremony gives you access to the marriage bed. Baptism, uh, like circumcision, just visibly connects you covenantally with God. It, it doesn't save you. It doesn't regenerate your heart. You could be a regenerate Christian and not be baptized, but baptism is the thing that that everybody distinguishes can see. you. What's that? That distinguishes you. It distinguishes you. That so, that would be our conviction. Yeah, I think this, is, this is my confusion on this because if if uh, if we're concerned about only people, the Lord's people coming to the table, and someone could be baptized and not be regenerate, then. Are we worried about them coming to the table? Can you can you just say that one more time? Someone who's been baptized, so they fulfill the requirement, uh -huh. right? But they're not a regenerate person. They just got baptized because they got in line and was yep. happening, so they did it. But now they're at our church, and we say, "Do you baptize?" Yeah, all right, come on to the table. Right. I think that it's kind of the same thing with with the. I, I hate to go back to the the public school thing again. It seems to me like we're putting a man um, testable thing on something that's not supposed to be tested by man. If, that's what concerns me. But you would take someone's profession of faith, right? Yeah. I, I mean, if somebody says, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe, you would I, take that, right? I, I, what I'm saying is I don't take any of it. It's not me, it's not my decision whether you come to the table or not. It's my role as a as an elder to make it clear what we're doing here, 
and this is what we're doing. And, right. and if you want to be a part of this, this is what we're doing. We're, we're the, the Lord's people taking part in the Lord's Supper. Um, and it's not my role to police whether you are prepared to take the Lord's Supper or not. That's, that's but if somebody case. said, well, I don't know if I should take it or not, what, what would you tell them? Sure, I would say, well, I mean, what's your, what's your concern? How come you don't know if you take it? Uh, well, I don't believe Jesus is Lord. I said, well, then, yeah, don't take it. <laughs> what are you doing eating the Lord? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah that's yeah. the follow-up question. Well, I think, I think that would be our, our role then as a, as a church body and then as elders to, to um, whoever they may be, to educate that person. Um, and I think it would be good to give those... Um, we talked a little bit about like educating the body as to why we're doing what we're doing, and I think as part of that, even going into the details as to how we are um, in the position to partake thereof. You know what I mean? So that way, there's no confusion. But I, I agree. I don't think we need to be policing it. Well, but, but um, if someone's been excommunicated, you agree that they shouldn't be taking it, right? Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. but there's, you can't police that. You can just tell them if you've been excommunicated, don't take this. Right, and if they do anyways, there's nothing you can do about that. Oh yeah, you're all, all you're doing is you're just setting out the expectation and then expecting them to submit to it. Right, and, and then if there's you know I suppose it could be certain cases where people you know are excommunicated or trying to take it, and, but even then it's not like I've I've never heard of somebody in the act of communion stopping someone else from taking whistle. communion. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! But, but I, again, that's my point is that um, I don't get the. The, the extra requirement that you have to be baptized because I don't see that anywhere in scripture I guess is where, I, right. where it comes down to and I, I have a real hard time putting a rule that isn't clearly defined in scripture right. I mean if someone could show me where it is in scripture then I, I'm definitely open to it and, and, and this, is, this I think this is one of the issues that I, I wrestle with whether I can be an elder or not sure. I mean um, I can live with this requirement I just don't think it's biblical <laughs> so that's that's kind of a tough place to be, you know. Do you, um, so you don't see it in, in scripture, and, and and I and I don't think I mean I don't think it's even like the kind of thing where it, uh, there's a difference between not seeing something in scripture. So like, well, I'm not sure I see that. To I think it's being taught the opposite, and it, sure. it, it sounds like that's why. You, right? Yeah. If it was, if I thought it was the opposite, I wouldn't. I, I would have been gone a long time okay. ago. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I just. Um, it seems to me that, uh, I mean, I, I get the, you've explained it to me, and I've heard Dave talk yeah. about it, and I, I get the understanding. Right. I, it's just real questionable to me that it's, it's not on solid scriptural ground for me. And, do you, and do just, you think that if someone is a Christian, that baptism is something that should be attending to that in a, yeah. somewhere? somewhere? Absolutely. Okay. As, as quickly as possible. Right. Which so I, I, think, I am in, yeah. I am in disobedience right now. So no, 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 that's I, not, again, I don't want to bring it back to me. It's not no, that I want to make sure right. my kids come to the table. I just it has nothing to do with that. I just it's something that I've thought about a lot, and I, and I've been at a lot of different churches that have some pretty crazy requirements right. on the Lord's Supper, and I just think, that to me, it, the Lord, the Jesus is saying, "This is my body, this is my blood. Come to me." It's a, it's an open invitation. Yeah, and for me to stand up and say no, no, you can't, you can't go. You haven't baptized. You haven't been baptized. I, I'm not going to, you know. And again, it's not about the policing, but if we're up front, we're saying that you can only come if you've been baptized. I, I absolutely, I, I think we need to have. This is for the Lord's people. 
So this is, this is something that we do as a, a people of God, that we come together and we, and we um, take part in, in the Lord's Supper because we do it to remember him, you know, and uh, that his body is broken for us. That it, you know, This is all, it's an in-house thing for sure. I'll, I would make that clear. But then that's the, that's the I mean, that's what I would set up. That's what, it, to, me it's not, to me, that's what scripture is saying is make it clear what you're doing and make sure that... Right. This is and this is something that's taken seriously and not just uh, hey there's some well, food up here so come and then you fulfilled on. your responsibility as the uh, as the one up front uh, expressing that and making the invitation and all that if you say this this is what we're doing and this is why we do it and everyone's invited we would ask that if you are not a professing Christian that you would refrain from joining us here because of the of the specialness of it. If they still come, they come. You you fulfilled yeah, your obligation right, to right. to kind of mediate that right. that with with maybe an unbeliever. But um, Les, the only thing I would say on that is that communion is it is special. I mean, it's incredibly special. But it's also food, and the thing about food is that food is extremely simple to understand. Are you hungry or are you not hungry? Mm-hmm. And blessed are those who mm-hmm. hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that that verse is talking about communion itself, but I think, I think what, what, I'm, what I am trying to say is that communion, yeah, we, we make it about an intellectual experience. We make it about, uh, you know, we, we hear Jesus say, you know, whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And we think, well, we've got to do something there. When What we don't realize is that we actually just eat and drink and 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 be joyful unto the Lord because he has given himself to us. And I think that the requirement to come to the table is actually is actually much less than even a professing Christian. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, okay, see, so I'm, mis- I, I I'm misunderstanding a whole lot right here, right now. <laughs> what you're saying and now what you see, because I didn't know why you were coming back on me. Right. So I was like, okay, because um, I, I was trying to find... What's the sweet spot, if you will? I, I think so that I no, now we're I'm, both against you, so you've you, no, you got I, 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 I honestly think that the Lord's Supper can, can be an evangelistic. I mean, it, it, it's saying, here's my body. If you, if you know it, if you and, understand it. And see, I don't come. disagree with that, so I don't know what I'm talking about, obviously. <laughs> well, and I, and I, I think I'm true. <laughs> Not to further muddy the waters, but I couldn't help but think about, um, I think it's in Mark, when the, the disciples are like pushing the kids away, like, get out yeah, of here. And right. Jesus sort of rebukes them, like, no, 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 let them come. You know, if, if we have kids who are wanting to partake of communion who maybe haven't um, been made, a, made a choice and been baptized and all these things, um, you know, who are we to deny them Absolutely. if they want to well, partake of the Lord's Supper yeah, I don't with their family? I don't, that that's the point I wanted to make, yeah. you know, because we're talking about we're talking in covenantal language here, right. yep. Yep. and I want I want my little one, I want my little grandchild to know you're part of this right. family. That's that's my maintenance. That's I absolutely agree with that. So, so, so we're I, actually all much closer on. I this. think so. I think I think I, I think I was, the issue uh, is whether baptism is the entrance into that covenant. I think that's where we, you and I fall in line. I, I don't see baptism. Well, no, I'm hearing, I'm hearing a concern from Joe that someone who may not be eligible come to the table. That's what I was hearing. And maybe, yeah. you, maybe you weren't saying that, though. And all I was saying was, 
if you if we express that and say, and make the invitation to come, we that that whoever's up there has fulfilled whatever the obligation. Does that make sense? The responsibility, and then whoever comes comes. It, it makes sense, and, and the reason why the baptism is a requirement, uh, or the reason why it's a conviction convicted requirement here, is because baptism seals you into something. And so, like I, I you know, if, if my kids are worrying about their faith. Like, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. I'd say, well, whose name is on your forehead? And they would tell me, well, Jesus. Jesus put his name on my forehead when I couldn't even respond in faith to him. You know, before I even intellectually knew anything, Jesus put his name on my forehead and said, you belong to me. You're one of mine. And I, and I promise to be your God. And, I, and, and that's, that is, a, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that's the same thing as regeneration. I'm saying that to be sealed in the covenant of Christ is a, is a, it, it is something that in the Old Testament was visible. Circumcision. You could, you could look and see that you're mm -hmm. part of the covenant of God. And in the New Covenant, it's, it's the same. It's still a visible thing. It is your baptism. It's not, it's not the same thing as your regeneration. Your generation. But if, you're, if your little one wants the Lord's Supper... Then don't don't just give her the Lord's Supper. Give her the whole thing. Give her the whole covenant. Give give her the waters of baptism, and then say, "Yeah, the table is set before you." Because if your little one can want Jesus as Jesus' body and blood, then she can she she definitely has enough faith. Or he definitely has enough faith to trust Christ to, to give a profession of faith. Um, if if a profession of faith has to precede has to precede baptism for for baptism, it does, and that and that's totally fine. I think we're, 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 I think what we're doing though is we're uh, we're getting uh, baptism. I think that this is maybe the thing that we that we're maybe seeing back past each other on. Is baptism a sign of union or not? I, I think baptism is a sign of union, mm -hmm. and that as a sign of union, it has to precede communion, which would be the communing with God. So you're unified with Christ through baptism, and then you eat with God. And, and, and you're right, there's not a verse that says you must be baptized before you come to the Lord's table. Just like there isn't a verse that says babies should ever be baptized. It doesn't, it never says that. But we still have these, like, you know, convicted beliefs on them because of the, the breadth of the rest of Scripture. Um, and so is baptism a sign of union? If it is, then there's things downstream that matter. If it's not a sign of union, then, then maybe this is something we can just kind of put up with because that's what the series he does. <laughs> Charles, did you have something to add? So Stout, have you been baptized? Oh, you have? You can come to the Lord's Supper. Charles, you stay in your seat. You haven't been baptized yet. What do you mean by that? <laughs> like if you haven't been baptized, you can't go to the Lord's Supper. If That's what some people believe. So um, we're like in church and somebody calls you forward to take the Lord's Supper, but they tell me I can't take it because I haven't been baptized yet. Mm. Even though I know I have been baptized. Even though, right. Yeah, and we're not, we're not talking about that. You know, some churches think that you, you know, need to have like a letter of recommendation before they'll admit you to the Lord's Supper, and, and that, that's, I don't want that either. I, yeah, that's yeah. Isn't that what's I think they and I are exactly like, because I, no, I use that same language for my kids, and they haven't been I do it anyway. Right. So, so the only difference between you and I, I think, is I don't see water baptism as a, I see it as a um, obedient act that I do once I understand, or I'm fine with a parent doing an obedient act. To me, that, that's why I'm okay with infant baptism or believer baptism. 
um, because I, I think it's an act of obedience. It's not a ticket into the kingdom. It's not a ticket into right. the covenant. It's not a ticket into the, the table. I don't, I mean, I think it's just an act of obedience. Um, and I think the reason why I, I want my kids to have the experience of, of believer baptisms, because I think it's a really mm-hmm. awesome experience mm-hmm. to, to plunge in and come back up and you're, 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 this idea of that you're being cleansed or that you're, you're being washed or that you're being brought you with die Christ to, yourself, to death. And you're you die to yourself. You know, you it's just a great experience that, that is a confirmation in a sense of something that's already taken place in them, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but it's also a really cool experience, like you said, for, to say to your kids, well, you've been baptized, buddy. It's already taken care of, you know. Mm-hmm. This is, so I, um, I think... I, I guess, I mean, the issue is that I, I think there's too much importance being put on the water baptism in, in my mind. That's the issue for me. Sure. Um, I think I, I see both of them. Kind of both, the, both the, you know, the infant baptism and the believer's baptism being just the sign. And we're saying that, you know, when you come to the table, that this is, that this is the Lord's table, and so it's the Lord's people that are coming to the table. Well, everyone that is at the Lord's table should have that outward sign. And I think that the only thing that we're, we're pointing to there is like, well, whether you whether you baptize your kids as an infant and they're brought into the church in covenant theology, or you know maybe you still are you believing in this covenant theology and and you're bringing them in, you're raising them up in that. When they they're not going to come to that, you're not going to send them to the Lord's table until they at least demonstrate that they understand what the gospel is. I've, I've been feeding my kids from birth right. to... I, so, <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing that wrong, so, but I've so been feeding them all along. I don't know. So I would think that was that was my conviction. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm just speaking on a personal yeah, conviction. Sure. Because I didn't baptize them as infants, and because I was waiting, my conviction was that you're not going to sit at the Lord's table until you understand what, what it is that you're doing. Mm. And so once they understood that, I felt the conviction then as well to say, well, you know what? At this point, you need that outward sign. Mm-hmm. Let's get baptized yeah. and do right. this. And I think either way, it was. It, I, I felt like it was there was an outward sign still, and that outward sign was the visible church. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I just feel like that's kind of where all this is right. maybe coming from in, in the church tradition of things. It's yeah. like, well, this is the visible church. What's the visible church? Well, okay. Who was, yeah. I guess you can make the case that in the New Covenant, we don't have any visible signs any longer. Uh, but in the Old Covenant, the visible people of God were those who'd been, who'd been circumcised. Right. And, and God was very angry with, <laughs> was very angry with, Moses, with Moses when his sons hadn't been circumcised. Uh, and so I don't know what that means other than God took it really seriously in the Old Covenant. And maybe in the New Covenant, I, I, mean, the, I can see the conviction being that, oh, well, baptism... We don't no longer have any visible sign at all of the covenant people of God, and so we only have an invisible church. Those are the people who are elect, because the people who we see, they can say whatever they want, they can do whatever they want, but only God knows the heart. But baptism actually actually gives us an answer. It says, "Well, that's true." So I don't know any any one of your guys' hearts, but I do know if you've been baptized. And if you've been baptized, then that means that God has, in some way or another, wrapped you into his covenant. And it might be like Judas. You know, Judas was 
in the covenant of, with Christ, was in covenant with Christ, and he was the son of he was the son of hell. Um, and he was he went out from them because he was never with them actually. But from all we can tell in the gospels, he was an up, upstanding guy. Nobody suspected him until the very until until he actually did 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 his dirty work. Right. Um, because visibly no, he was there, there is the one time when he was complaining about the, the uh, yeah, perfume. No, with the yeah. perfume. It, there was, but even commentary, then. But I don't know if that was a backwards looking commentary or if that was a right. at the moment commentary. <laughs> but even like when Jesus at the Lord's Supper, when he gives him the bread and says, the one I give this bread to is going to betray me, and then he gets up and leaves, and everyone's like, oh, he must have gone to do yeah. something else. Like yeah, they, even then, they didn't connect that he was the betrayer. <laughs> yeah. He must have been like an awesome guy, like on the surface, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of creepy to think about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I think what we can, in terms of in terms of this, I think we need to just keep thinking about it, keep praying about it. Um, and, and, the, and the question will really will come down to, are we, can we get behind this as an idea, yeah. even if it's not our conviction? Because right. you know, credo baptism isn't my conviction, but but I completely understand the conviction that people have for it. And so, you know, I, I'll look at it completely legitimate when my credo Baptist brothers baptize their kids when they can profess faith. Totally see that. I, I, I totally can get behind but, that. But you would say keep them from the table until they do that. I, I, well, I would say that because that's what that's what the CRC would be saying. Yeah. But I, but I also, I also see the, I also see the argument for it. Um, and I think that as long as, uh, as long as, uh, yeah, I, I would, yeah, I would say, I would see that just because that's what, uh, that's I think the historic, I think that's the historic practice, and I think that that's the, uh, that's what we'd have to submit. To. Yeah, I, I believe that we could make that we could or should make some sort of allowance for that, with the understanding that as as people are coming into the church, that that's what we're teaching. Right. We're teaching that um, that the tradition is is that you you do this with your kids. You know that they are baptized either they're baptized as young or baptized right. at a point before. But so what you're saying that we encourage people to to do it as soon as you know if their if their kids are. Um, you know whether they're making a profession or not. You encourage them to get baptized as soon as you can. And, and I and I think one of the things that maybe I didn't hear you say this, but I thought I did, is that when people come to church and they show up and their kids haven't been baptized, but they've always taken the Lord's Supper, and then they hear, "Come to the table if you've been baptized." Are you saying make allowance in that particular case to let them come to the table but get them baptized as quickly as possible? Is that what you mean? That's yeah. Yeah, but, but I, I'm good with that. I mean, I. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I, th I think then you, you you kind of leave it up to the parents to say, well, if you if you trust that, or you, you believe and have the understanding that your kids are of the age and that you want them to do this, then then do this. But we encourage you to right. have them baptized at that point. Yeah, other churches make you make the kids go and profess faith to the elders, and the elders have to say it's a credible profession of faith. And and I, I love the way the CRC puts that ball in the court of the parents right. and just says, exactly. you know, we're administering these, these elements, but we understand that it's the, the parents need to be the ones yeah. that are, they know their kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think um, if, if, if anybody's struggling with this, because I'll, I'll be honest, I, maybe I shared this last week. I struggled with this probably five years. Probably almost the whole time I was at that church, I struggled with this. And I just submitted to it, and, and, and it wasn't, I struggled more with going from credo baptism to pedo baptism, and, and kind of leaving my own roots on that. 
Um, was the Church of Spokane a Pedo Baptist strictly? No. Was it, oh, okay. it was just like this. Uh, yeah. There were Credo Baptists. There were. It was a. It was a higher prevalence of Pedo Baptists, though. So yeah. I was definitely breathing the the Pedo Baptist air. <laughs> but I, I struggled more with that. But I always did struggle with that idea of having to be baptized before you come to the Lord's table because I always associated eating the, the, the Lord's table with faith. I always I always thought of it as being like okay, intellectual faith, intellectual faith, and. Intellectual faith means that I can eat, but that's not how food works. Babies are hungry, and they don't know why, but they're hungry, and they know that food is what satisfies them. Um, so I think, I think as far as this goes, if people are still struggling with this, and if you are, it's totally normal. I think you should just maybe even write Dave, like yeah. send out, send an email to Dave, and he's super, he's super gracious on, on all of this, um, and. Uh, uh, yeah. But this is a hard line. It's not something for debate for us, really. This is just, this is a hard line <coughs> if we want to be a part of the CRC. That's a good question to ask him. Yeah, okay. yeah that's a great question to ask him. I'm sure. hearing kind of like leave it, up, some, leave it up to the parents. The church can express their opinion, but ultimately it's made the decision to have communion with or without baptism is up to the parents, the leader of the home. Yeah, the the baptism, yeah, the um, you just baptism or the Lord's Supper. Oh boy! <laughs> well, I think we. Well, I think <laughs> these oh, ask, yeah. it, can you it, take the Lord's Supper without being baptized? Is the question. Right. Well, I, I thought you were saying like that. Leave it up to the parents whether or not their kids should be taking the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what he says. Um, I, I think the elders give the give the guidelines. Like these are these are the guidelines, and and we're not requiring professions of faith from your kids. So, so if your kids are little and all they know is like, don't I get Jesus? You know, and that's the best that they can do. Then, then the elders are not saying you have to not allow your kid to, 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 to oh, come to okay. the table. Okay. Um, but they are saying that baptism needs to precede that. Because baptism is the thing that if you can, if you can hunger for Christ, then you should be washed by Christ. So no communion until you've been baptized. That's, that's. That is the that yeah that's I mean that's in the bylaws too. Um, it's uh, we, we I think it's Article Two in Article Two. Um, but but honestly I mean I'm not the, I'm not the best guy to to describe this because I'm just telling you my own convictions and what the bylaws say. Dave is going to be if you want to email him on it he's going to be a much better person at answering it pastorally because he's got that. that yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any hard lines, honestly, at this point. The way that he talked to us is he said, you make it your own. Yeah. If you decide that you want to tweak something, you know, based on your own local congregation, then, then that's up to us as a mission yeah. founding members or whatever um, yeah. on how we start this to a certain degree. I mean, I, I appreciate and want to take advice from Dave and his church because we're going to be under that denomination. But at the same time, it doesn't mean we have to do everything exactly the way they do right. You know, there, for me, it, um, I, there's there's a difference between a baptism as a sacrament and communion sacramentally, and I, I think to include my child in communion as part of a family to to to, to feed to feed them and partake together is one thing. I think baptism is more of an individual thing. I guess I'm a credo Baptist, mm-hmm. so yeah. that so that so therein lies my my. I, I think it says repent and be baptized. You know, I don't know if a four-year-old can repent because I don't think they understand the concept. They where they likely may not understand mm-hmm. it, 
or let's say a three-year-old or whatever. But um, you know, so so then to to then to you know to say everybody's welcome, but then impose that qualification on it, you know, it's it's limiting mm -hmm. at the same time. Even though you know our I'm kind of listening to what Dean's saying, and I'm I think I'm whether or not that's how he feels. Mm -hmm. He was asking the question. That's how I would right. approach it. You know, um, I've had Leighton and Brindley, they have not been baptized, but I've had an opportunity to have communion with them and sit down and talk to them about what's going on and why right. we're doing what we're doing and, and, and read the scripture to mm -hmm. them and tell them right. this, this is what, what it means and all that. I want Leighton and Brindley, before, they, before they're immersed in the water, to understand exactly what's going on and why this, what, why the, the, there's so much power in this mm. and what they're doing. Mm. Um, you know, I understand, I, I kind of understand, I even talked to Dave after the, after sure. the session of, um, <coughs> over at the school that evening and had, he explained the K&I and I and I still, right. you know, I'm just having a hard time sure. getting, Getting over that. Right. I mean, it's, so yeah, if, with Leighton and Brynn, are they do they are they professing believers? Yeah, I've asked them. You know, um, you know, they're the, the 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 gospel and the Jesus they get is from K and I. It's not sure. at their own home, right. unfortunately. Yeah. But um, right. um, you know, they want to come Sunday night. I think Leighton wants to who's the Charles. But 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 right. they but they want to come. You know, they yeah. want to come and oh, see yeah. what's going on and and. and Meet, meet the kids and all of that, but yeah. you know, just for me, baptism was. You know, I got sprinkled as a child because I was <laughs> raised a Catholic, and um, you know, all I know is I probably didn't care for it because I probably screamed when they did it. But um, all I know is when I was 50 years old, I got baptized, and you know, it's, it was indescribable. Hmm. You know, it, it wasn't some kind of weird thing, charismatic weird thing. It was just, just the the conduct of it. I mean, men in the desert over desert storm, there's no water. There's not a lot of water out there. Hmm. They were being baptized in body bags. Hmm. They would lower them into a, what you would put a dead body in. They would sit and climb in the bag, sit up, and they lowered them in the bag and then pulled them back up out of the bag. That's hmm. how they baptized them. You know, and it was just this, just a, a monumental thing in, in, in one's life because you, you, the, the association is so strong. Um, I think there's strong covenantal um, connection with communion. Baptism, to me, is it seems to be more of a profession and individual thing, highly vertical, mm. and then it ends up being horizontal. I don't mm. know. That's mm. kind of where I'm at. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Symbolic. Death. Yeah. 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 Burial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This nine ten, you probably should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is good, you know. Uh, it, like I said, that uh, there's no rush uh, on all of this, especially if if we can figure out a a way of figuring out the whole communion thing, because communion is the pinnacle of service, right? And so it's like it's the high it's the highest point of service, and so um, we gotta we gotta figure this out, and, mm -hmm. but not but we don't have to figure everything out. <laughs> we don't just solve the whole the whole mystery. We just have to figure out what can we. What can we live with as we continue to, mm -hmm. to seek after this stuff? Because you know, I, I was I was raised Baptist too, and I, I was I remember my baptism very well. Grandpa baptized me. It was very it was very special. Mm -hmm. um, but but it was also like I had to like 
I personally had to go through some theological unlearning of what I had come to be convicted, connected up with, uh, I was convicted with, with what baptism meant. I always looked at it as something I was doing. It was something, it was a statement I was making. Um, and I, and I just think it's flipped. That's, I think it's something that God says about us. I think it's, mm. it's his declaration over us. He, he says that you belong to me through baptism. And I'm not saying that, that you, you're not saying one way or the other. That was just my own, my own personal. When I roll my eyes up, Joe, I'm just thinking that's all. I'm doing. <laughs> I want to hear you. No, I want to hear it clearly. I, wanna, I do want to hear it clearly so I can process it. That's yeah. I'm, I'm a little feeble, feeble, feeble here. When I hear you talk about the importance and pinnacle, you just use the word of, of communion, it almost, and I'm not saying this in condemnation, but it smacks, especially the term, term, use the term liturgy, of a looking kind of over your shoulder at Roman Catholicism. Now, I don't want to think, mm. I don't want to say we're throwing on a baby out with the bathwater, mm. but could there be something I'm hearing that that have we rebelled against Roman Catholicism so much that we have perhaps, I'm just asking. Mm. Responded and reacted and diminished mm. baptism more than we should? Right. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Are you saying that I, I feel like maybe we've reacted too strongly against Rome and so we've, we've thrown everything out? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, hearing a little bit of a coming back right. a little bit. Well, in 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could, as we're out the, going out the door. Let me explain. Yeah, exactly. It definitely, <laughs> definitely could be, and it probably would be. It probably would be the better part of wisdom to, to kind of maybe save that one until next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just because I, I have, I mean, I've been in a, a handful of Catholic masses, and. I'll, I'll be honest. There, are, there are a, f a few things that I like, but it's it's a small few. Uh -huh. I mean, most of it is just like, and this is the better Catholic Church too. It wasn't. This isn't the the Catholic Church from 500 years ago that was like, you know, that was much worse than it is today. It's, and it's, so even even in the Reformed Catholic Church that we know today, there's just nothing, hardly anything there that that, that is like draws my heart at all. So no, it's, this has nothing to do with like a, like a, oh, you know, guys, the Catholics aren't so bad or something like mm -hmm. that. But, but there is like, there is a sense in which we go, we're going into one ditch and then we go into the other. Right. And, and so could that be, could the baptism thing be a, a, a I don't know, it could be. I mean, you have to look at kind of some of the Anabaptist movements that happened along, alongside the Reformation and, and you know, the Anabaptists had, did not have everything right, that's for sure. Hmm. Like we might react against tongues and healings, all this nonsense we see, but at the same time, there are some things that I know that my PCA brother-in-law, pastor, yeah. missionary to Africa has said, you know what? Yeah. I don't believe in tongues, but I've seen some amazing things that I have no explanation mm. for. Right. And he's kind of backed off on his rolling his eyes of, in tongues and healing and all these kind of things because he said there's some things happening in Africa that he just simply cannot explain. Well, in, in the, well, It's happening in the New Testament too. So. Yeah, I was going to say that the, the, the New Testament of that. <laughs> calls, if you're sick, call for the elders. Yeah. The elders come and they, they lay hands on you. Tongues in the New Testament. Yeah, it's in the New Testament. I bring oil when I yeah. go. Yeah, When I saw the term liturgy, I went, ooh. <laughs> you know, and I think my wife said, if I mentioned it, and it was you know, 
Yeah. It kind of. Like right. Yours. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Luke, do you want to close this up in prayer? Yes. Lord Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you uh, for everyone around this table and just for everything that uh, we're able to go through here. Um, and just pray, Father, that you would be with each one of us, that you'd give us wisdom and grace in all of this, that you help us to make good decisions, and uh, that you would just help our hearts along in this process, Father. Uh, we pray for wisdom as we uh, seek out the right way to worship you, as we seek out uh, the possible planting of this church and to give you glory. We want to give you glory. We want to worship you. That is ultimately what we're here for. And uh, just help us to keep our minds on that, Lord. And uh, we pray that you bless each one of us as we go. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.